I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. They want benign indifference. They want us drugging. We could be pets. We could be food. But all we really are is livestock. There are, of course, those who do not want us to speak. The world needs a wake-up call. We're going to phone it in. And welcome to the Great Deception Podcast. I'm your host, Matt. Thanks for joining. Today we have an interesting conversation with uh, someone who I came across on Instagram uh, and was shared to me by my good friend over at the Shadow Band Podcast, my buddy Jeff. Uh, guys, if you haven't checked out his work over there, the Shadow Band Podcast is is up and coming. Go check it out. Great interviews, funny, informative, good guests, and then go check out their merch. You gotta gotta try and support these fellow podcasters. You know, if you guys wanna keep getting these episodes and having all this good content come out, just do them a favor. You know, buy some of their merch, join the Patreon, do what you gotta do to help each other out. Um, and that's that's how we make this thing grow together. But back to uh, tonight's show, we had a great conversation. You know, we talked about the anything from the old world to the new world and kind of everything in between. We hit on some Tartaria. We hit on some false history, some religion. Uh, we even got a general patent in there and the conspiracy around his death. Um, we touched on Agent Provocateurs. And what happened on uh, J6 and things like that. That it was just a very fun conversation. This guy really knows a lot. Um, go check out his YouTube page. Uh, Mud Flood Memes. Or Old Scary World. I believe is the YouTube page name. But he does a lot of you know 10 to 15 minute videos. Uh, that are just music and pictures. And he does a great job getting his point across. And I know he also... Did some narration for some of them too. So definitely go check out his YouTube page. Uh, he, I know he does some music. He's got a band camp you can go check out. He's got a Patreon. Uh, Instagram, he's at MudFloodMemes. Check out his great posts. Go follow him there. Uh, and, you know, he just has a lot of good information about the old world. Real easy guy to talk to. Uh, I do apologize. Zoom was messing with us a little bit, so there were some audio issues um, cutting in and out. I don't know what's going on with Zoom lately, but that's been one they've been. Seems like they've been messing with us. I don't want to go the full conspiracy route and say, "Oh, when you're over target, they start censoring you." But uh, we're not there yet. But at the same time, we did have some some issues here, so I did have to do some editing and uh, and clean it up a little bit. But all in all, 
a very fun interview with my new friend from Instagram, Old Scary Worlds. Uh, and I have one more uh, podcast I'm going to do about the old world for now. Uh, and I'm just going to give kind of a high-level overview of the World's Fairs, uh, the late 1800s, early 1900s in, in the U.S. And see some of the common narratives, some of the common architecture and things like that. And just some questions that you might have. And some really fascinating stuff with some of these because it does give you some insight into uh, some of the things we talked about in the Chicago Expo but also brings up a couple more questions and, and, and some more inconsistencies, you could say, in the narrative. So with that said, uh, we will get this episode rolling here. Um, guys, any of the other old world um, shows that I've done, you can go check out on, I have YouTube, uh, BitChute, and uh, I believe I'm getting an Odyssey going. Uh, I I think I have one of those too, but you can go check out the videos too. If you want to see some of the pictures that we're talking about and the world's fair one that I'm going to do is also going to be a video show. Uh, and then we're going to move on and do some interviews and bounce around some topics. Cause to be honest with you right now, I'm old world researched out. I don't mind talking about it, but I want to take a quick break and move on to a couple other things and, and definitely we'll be coming back to it. But for right now, I'm going to put that on the back burner and focus my attention elsewhere, bring in some good guests so we can have some interesting conversations, some fun conversations, and kind of go down some different avenues. Um, But this has been fun, very informative. I learned a ton uh, doing some of this research, and I hope you did too. With that said, here is tonight's episode to invite old scary world to the podcast how you doing my friends i'm doing good how are you good thanks i uh so i came across you through a buddy jeff of mine on uh, the shadow band podcast Mm -hmm. he reached out to me and he said you know as soon as he finished talking to you he said you have to talk to this guy he's like he's like you will have a blast and so I, I, you know, I listened to the podcast a little bit, you know, I don't like listening to too much of it, especially when it's somebody that I, I, I'd like to have on because I, I want to learn stuff myself. But I, I heard you, uh, you talking with Jeff and, you know, everything you guys were talking about is, you know, right up my alley. And, you know, I love the old world. So uh, welcome to the Great Deception podcast, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, we can talk about the old world, the new world, and everything in between. That's kind of what this is, and that's 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 why I started this podcast. Um, so, what got you into this, and and how long have you been, you know, researching and looking into these topics? Uh, I got into it just because you know I was following uh, certain channels on YouTube, and then I discovered a channel called John Levi. And he's from Utah, and he was the first person that I ever saw on YouTube that talked about the old world in the sense of like Tartaria and these mud flooded buildings and the the inheritors and all this kind of stuff. So I started watching his videos back in uh, I'm not sure I think 2018 maybe was the first time I watched one of his videos, and then I really got into it during the. Um, the I don't know what you call it the quarantine or the uh, the stay at home orders or whatever the good I old really lockdown watching, yeah started watching his videos more 
during that period, that's when I really started to kind of research it myself. And then, uh, you know, I'm in California as a lot of my uh, YouTube, cause I've talked about where I, where I live and, and I've done some on location videos here in San Francisco. I don't live in San Francisco, but I live close enough to it to, to say that I live near it. And uh, anyways, and San Francisco's history, as far as the old world, I mean, it's just as relevant as any other city in the world because we see some inconsistencies with just the, the, the buildings, you know, um, before the fire and then after the, the way that the, the city looked. So I went to a mausoleum outside of San Francisco where they took all the people from San Francisco and buried them after the earthquake. They ran out of space. They didn't want any more cemeteries in San Francisco. So they moved them all to a town called Colma, which is about five, six miles outside of San Francisco. And I couldn't find anybody that was born before 1860. So I said, well, who was old enough to have built San Francisco? How come there's nobody in this whole, there's people from eight, that were born in 1860 and up, but there was nobody buried inside this whole cemetery. And it's a giant cemetery. I mean, we're talking about tens of thousands of bodies and the whole city of Colma has more dead bodies than live people. So the town motto is Colma. It's a great place to be alive. <laughs> and uh, so I couldn't find anybody that was old enough to have been, to have been um, able-bodied enough to, to work on building the original San Francisco in 1849. So then I started looking at some of the pictures before the earthquake in 1906 and there was these strange buildings that were never accounted for afterwards. And I found pictures where certain buildings were cut out and they had that effect, which is called in the, in the community, we call it vanilla sky. And yep. it's when you can't see like anything in the sky, it's all like washed out like a primitive Photoshopping technique, you know? And there was these huge spires and there was these giant monoliths. And so, yeah, then I started mud flood memes on Instagram and it wasn't originally called Old Scary World. It was just mud flood memes. And then I wanted to do a YouTube channel as well, where I just had slideshows. In the, in the beginning, I didn't talk or anything. I just had pictures of my music because I make music too. So I said, well, this is a good way to get my music across is I can do my music with the slideshows of the old world. And then I just saw my YouTube subscriber rate just explode. So I said, well, okay, well, I guess there's something to this. And then I started taking the Instagram more serious and I started following some more people on that, just doing some more research. And then it all just kind of came together. But the reason why I wasn't hesitant, the reason it was easy for me to dive into this aspect of, of history was because I grew up um, absorbing all the boomer uh, conspiracies like the JFK and the moon landing and Roswell and little green men and all this stuff, which at this point in my research, I, I can't, I can't believe in aliens anymore. I think aliens are a psyop to protect us or to shield us from, you know, bigger truths of, 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 you know, a more intense reality. But as far as the old world, yeah, I got into that. I'd say in, in 2018 and uh, just the more I look into it, it's just so it's, it's kind of funny, really. It really like, is. It, it's almost comical the way that when you really break down the narrative and start looking at it, you know, as a whole, yeah. Okay. It, it might make sense if, if you didn't look at any of the facts within, within it. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. the fact that the entire city, you know, supposedly was demolished essentially in, in what is 1906. Mm -hmm. And then 
by 1915, you have a World's Fair there. Uh, oh, yeah, it was all completely built up within less than 10 years. Yeah, it just and and then you look at like the um, what is it? The infamous panorama picture mm-hmm. of San Francisco where it's the whole city and there's not a person on the street. There's not, uh, you know, really no horses in the street, nothing. It's just like a dead city. And it makes you wonder, you know, and, and one of the things I've looked at a little bit and, and questioned some myself and, and actually seen some videos on it is that maybe some of these pictures are fake. Maybe some of these pictures are just of models of pro or prototypes of what they intend to build. And, you know, we're misconstruing it as an actual photo. Yeah. Um, it's possible, right? I mean, mm-hmm. anything's possible. But at the same time, there, there's a lot of pictures out there also that of the same ilk that have people in them and, and have life to them. So, you know, I take that with a grain of salt saying, oh, you, you know, because some people that they'll just pass it off as that. Oh, it's just a model. You know, it's just a markup or with the vanilla sky. They'll just say, oh, well, you know, the photo, the exposure at the time that they used didn't allow them to to photoshop no yeah yeah i'm a photographer i used to be a professional photographer i guess i still kind of technically am but i don't i'm not involved in the art world anymore because of uh, politics i stopped getting phone calls because the whole uh <laughs> but i used to show uh, photographs in galleries and museums and i was in magazines and, and all that stuff back in um but well before 2017 basically like the last time i had a show uh, photography show i had a show in los angeles in 2000 beginning of 2018 and that was the last time my photographs were shown in a gallery and because and so did that motivate you or not motivate you but that did that give you kind of the insight to get into the youtube and, and yeah it was definitely it the way like you... yeah it was definitely easy for me to justify the time that i spent on social media uh as far as youtube and instagram and making videos and doing research since I wasn't spending that time doing professional photography anymore. But I learned a lot about people through that because I saw how the art world, I knew it was a leftist thing, you know, and I've always been more right-leaning, more conservative, more just wholesome, I guess, more, you know, I've grew up in the suburbs. I've never lived in a big city. I've visited big cities. I did that whole thing, but, and that's a whole other story, but basically like, what I'm seeing now is all these people who I thought were edgy artists, you know, kind of like rebel counterculture people, they're conformists. You know, there are a lot of degenerate conformists, old, you know, ghost towns and, you know, American flag, the, the condition, the human condition, you know, kind of like the ruins of America. That was kind of like my style. And I shot with film and, you know, that whole thing. And, um, so I know a little bit about film with that said, and that's why I brought it up is what these long exposures. Yes, it's true. People would disappear in a long exposure, but what you would get is you would get like a, a mist, a kind of a haze, especially if it was a crowd of people. If it was a large crowd of people, like what we would expect in 1800s, late 1800s San Francisco, there would be like a, there would be like a semi-opaque, like kind of like a phantom looking like a fog of people because they'd be moving back and forth and they wouldn't be in focus, it's true, but it wouldn't account for how we see it's like crystal clear. And in that panorama that you're talking about, I did a video about that, I think, I think it's the same picture or similar at least, and there's horses 
and they're standing still enough and they're in focus, the people around the people that should be there, it would be, it would be like a, like I said, it'd be like a, a mist looking thing. It wouldn't mm-hmm. be as clear as it is if there was, if there was people, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's my argument. And that's from a photography background. I know exactly what kind of cameras they were using. They were using huge, um, like the ones where you put the hood over and they had to like, you know, it was a big box on a big uh, uh, stand, like a tripod. Yep. And they used, they used eight by 10 glass plates. And that uh, that's like what Ansel Adams used to like photograph uh, Yosemite. And it's, it's like the standard camera that they had at the time. They didn't have the kinds of cameras that we have now, obviously. So it actually allowed for more detail than our modern digital cameras because the negative was eight by 10 inches. You think about 35 millimeter, that's what we use for movies. That's what's projected onto a movie theater screen. It's just 35 millimeters. So imagine eight by 10 inches. And that's why those old photographs look so unique and so good. And so from my understanding of from photography, and I can zoom in on those high res scans that the Library of Congress has, and I don't see any misting effect. I don't see the long exposure of people walking around back and forth. And plus, in a big city, you'd have people that were standing still, like people selling newspapers, people selling shoe shines, people selling fruit or something like that. We don't see any of that in those pictures either. We, like you said, we see a dead city. And people say, oh, well, those were taken Sunday morning when everybody was sleeping or in church. I said, nope, don't buy it. Because in a big city like San Francisco, it never stops. And then the other thing that you have to take into consideration is we were supposed to be mining for gold in the Sierra, in the Sierra Mountains, east of San Francisco by Nevada. That's where everybody was going. And we also have to think that it wasn't just San Francisco that was getting built. It was the surrounding communities, too, in San Jose, which is about 30 miles south. That was the original capital of California. Uh, before before Sacramento. And uh, we see the same thing there. And then we also see uh, an inconsistency with just the building materials. We see these uh, Romanesque, kind of Greco-Roman kind of columns and these very European-looking buildings. But we see them in South America at the same time. And we say, oh, these were, <clears throat> these were post offices and these were city halls. But they look like palaces. They look like royal palaces. And then we have old maps where these buildings were, were documented by the Spanish. And a lot of people don't know about this. You know, they say, well, the Spanish built. They said, no, there's actually accounts where the Spanish say that these things were already there. And then they go, well, what about the Native Americans? The Native Americans were here. And they go, well, I'm glad that you brought that up. And I said, I, was, I talked about this on the Shadowband podcast. There is tales from the Hopi Indian and other tribes where they talk about big cities with strange, and they stayed away from them. They stayed away from these, these giant um, civilizations that they didn't build. And like I said, you know, it's, it's a shame that they didn't write more things down. Stuff like this is oral tradition. But no, there is tales of big cities back in the, in, in the pre-Columbian days. Well, yeah, and you, you even hear that with the natives, with the Cherokee, that, mm-hmm. that they had established smaller cities, city types even plantations and things like that. So yeah, I, I don't put anything out of the realm of possibility. And and that's the, the part where we're trying to understand the timeline 
And you, that's where everything gets thrown off. Where do these things really fit in? And from your standpoint, where, you know, just as a wild guess, where would you, from what you've researched, where would you Mm -hmm. say that these buildings came from? Well, see, that's the thing is I don't like to throw anything out there just to make things more believable, make things up. And then it gets discredited. Honestly, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that out. I think everybody is. And that's what the great, that's the great thing about this whole enduring mystery is the official story doesn't make sense. Therefore, there is some other explanation for it. So it's kind of like, it's perfect for this generation. It's perfect for millennials like me or for Gen Z kids to discover and do and, and figure it out because who knows, maybe in 50, 60 years, we'll have a whole new narrative because all the people who have been supporting the false narrative have died off and we can start talking about the truth. It's kind of like how we learn more and more about the Kennedy assassination because a lot of the people that are involved are dying off. Yep. Like Donald and, Rumsfeld. And I really respect that perspective too, because there's too many people out there that, like to say i know and in reality you have no clue right i mean i have no clue no. i've been i've been looking into and, and and that's why i ask everyone that i come across i like to hear what their interpretation is of it and and that's the approach that i take is is the way mm-hmm. you look at it is i don't know and i i don't want to you know put a fingerprint on one group and, and and try and label it them to lead people down the wrong direction whereas the other side is just saying you don't know is part of it. But to, to quit, the problem is, is that any, any one of us that questions the narrative, all of a sudden there's a group of people that right away cannot cognitively deal with that. Right. And they shut down right away. Mm -hmm. And, and that's where you lose them. And, and that's the group that I don't know if we're ever going to get to them, but at the same time, the other folks that are able to listen if you were to tell them, oh, such and such a group built it, and then they were to go to research and find you lose all credibility right there, you know, mm-hmm. because you're, you're just throwing a, there's no facts behind. And that's, what's so frustrating about this. There's no information. They just all of a sudden in the mid 1800s, all of these buildings suddenly popped up all over America that mm-hmm. resembled not only buildings in Europe, buildings in asia buildings in south africa south america like you're saying they're all over the world so australia yeah and 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 then you get into what got me into this whole thing was the world's fairs and i read howdy mccoskey's book about chicago and you know i started thinking about it and i was like wow this seems weird and in his book he goes into chicago then into (laughs) some of the other fairs as well and you start looking at the narrative. Okay. So the narrative doesn't make any sense, but then you go, if the narrative doesn't make any sense, what are your options? And that's where it gets crazy because, you know, especially with the world's fairs, you go from these things being actually built in the timeframe. They say how we don't know, they must've had some technology we don't know about, or maybe it took them a little longer than they, they said and they exaggerated it. Or these things have been around for hundreds, if not, you know, thousands of years. Um, and you just don't know. But then you look at some of the pictures and that's where it gets to you because some of the pictures are deceiving because you look at the exterior and you see this beautiful, huge building. But then you get to the interior and you see all the wood framing inside and you're like, OK, this was a temporary structure. So 
I don't want people to fall into the trap of thinking that all of this world fair complexes were already there and we unearthed them Mm -hmm. that we built them that some of it was there, right? Some of these structures were from the old world and some were built there and, and yeah. made to look like they were from the old world. Yeah. My theory is, is that those buildings were there and that they refacaded them uh, temporarily for the world's fairs. And then it was like kind of a kiss off. Like I talked about that in one of my videos was it was like, a last hurrah before they destroy the evidence of the old world. In other words, to say that if you have a building like some of the buildings in the world's fairs, it was um, that even though we could technically build this the way ours, like in San Francisco, there used to be these that looked very old world and they weren't for the world's fair. They were, they were actually just there. And there was buildings that looked like the world's fairs buildings and they were permanent structures and then they were quote-unquote destroyed during the earthquake in 1906 and then then we come to this reoccurring pattern throughout history especially in the americas where it seems like every hundred years give or take we enter into a sort of reset and we're seeing that now with this this great reset this this push to go to a new economic system and to encourage essentially not just, I wouldn't even call it socialism or anything like that. Like it's more of, um, I think what it's going to turn into is kind of like serfdom. Yep. You know, where people weren't going to really own anything, but they're going to work to earn their keep. And they're going to promote that as a more sustainable lifestyle and all that stuff. Well, what do you think that they did when after World War One? See, after World War One, that was 100 years give or take after 1816 so you know 1816 to 1917 and then you have 2020 so you have that's another 100 years and that's the beautiful thing like i don't know if you remember this when you were a kid but you would see an old building and somebody would say oh it's 100 years old now you have buildings that were built in the very early 1910s the 19 teens and people go oh yeah that building's like 100 years old but how often do you see a building that's 200 years old? We have them in other, we have them in Europe. Now that's the, that's the kind of predicament that we're in with like, say like Notre Dame in France. Like is Notre Dame going to get rebuilt the same way? And people still say that it's as old as it is because it survived that, that long. Or are they going to take this opportunity to completely redo it? There is talks that they might just completely redo the cathedral Notre Dame. And then we see, you know, um, people talking about Stonehenge being dangerous. And they say, well, let's take down Stonehenge. Let's take this down. Let's take that down. And then you'll just start seeing things disappear. And then it'll be replaced. And then in another 100 years from now, after we're long gone, all the kids will you know, say, oh, that looks like an old building. And then they'll say, yeah, it's about 100 years old. Because they can slowly start to replace things. So then the old world, see... What we consider to be the old world has just bled into the new world. And then we see evidence of that in the sense of, you know, cities are still there, but there's a whole city underneath that city. You know, and there's, there's, um, that's where we come into the, the, the mud flooded windows, the windows that are like underneath the sidewalk and they're kind of just poking out a little bit. And people say, oh, it, it, 
it just sank that was natural uh no it's, it's not natural for a building to sink that far and then the whole structure just happens to fall completely straight down like those those windows were were higher up at some point and then that's when you get into the mud flood thing and that when they show those buildings of them or those pictures of them building the buildings is that they weren't constructing the buildings as much as they were digging them out and saying, oh, we, we found, you know, um, we found uh, evidence of, of uh, an ancient, uh, not, well, not ancient, but like an old civilization or something like that. It's just like, uh, oh, it's Native Americans, uh, clay pots or something like that. But it's actually like a whole city, like where tens of thousands of people live or lived. And they have those out in New Mexico and their, their world heritage sites. I can't remember the names right now, but it's like a UNESCO world heritage site, but it's out in the middle of nowhere in New Mexico. But they, even the official story is, oh, tens of thousands of people lived here in pre-Columbian times, like Native Americans, uh, you know, it was like a mega city to them. And then you look around, it's a desert. So you go, wait a minute, like that the land must have been different. We must have had fertile land to feed that many people to build these huge structures. And that's just like the Playboy Indians, you know, like in Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, and then in Mesoamerica, Central America, we have, you know, huge cities built in the side of the mountain. You know what I mean? Yep. And that's what those people, and then they say, oh yeah, this was all simple tools. And they ate corn and, and no, this doesn't, you would need the equivalent to a modern city to organize and feed. And that's what's really offensive is when they talk about like the Inca, the Maya, the, oh, they were, they were bloodthirsty savages, but they were building these like huge pyramids and stuff. And then, and then you got people coming around going, oh, it was aliens. They go, Yeah. See, I, I don't I don't buy into that whole ancient alien thing. I think that's a psyop too. Yeah, I'm with you. Know? you. I don't believe in the little green men. You nope. know, I, I I would say aliens are more a spiritual entity, if oh, anything, yeah. you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's another thing that I'm starting to see uh, on the internet, on Instagram and YouTube, is people are starting to wake up to that because we've been spoon-fed this whole like, Oh yeah, you're you're inferior to the little green men. The little green men are going to come and save us, or the little green men are going to come and destroy us. And it's just anything but God, anything but God, anything but positive. And then, if the aliens abduct you and play with your butt, well, they're the bad aliens. It's like, would you ever start to think like, like demons are real? Oh, that's silly. You watch too many scary movies, and it's just. It's just, it's really insulting because you see evidence of just pure evil. And you know, it's strange if you replace the word alien with politician, it fits, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, if you think about all the things that the aliens supposedly do to people, it's really just stuff that politicians do to people. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I gave up on the the whole little green men a long time ago. I I think it, like you said, it's just a a fear tactic, right? It's something to keep you in, in a low frequency. Well, plus they can control it. They can control the narrative with that because they're the government and they've convinced people that the government knows the truth about aliens. So therefore any information about the aliens is doled out by the government, which is actually kind of like a power trip. It's kind of like how, um, you know, people think that nine 11 was an inside job. Sure. 
but the government actually wants you to think that they did it and got away with it because it perceives them as as powerful. Yep. Like think about it. Like, are you going to fear a government who can pull off a terrorist attack on its own people and get away with it, or are you going to lose respect for a government who let it happen because of a few radicalized Islamic folks? You see the see the the, the thing there. It's like. Yeah, believe that we did it and we got away with it and there's nothing you can do about it. Ha, ha, ha. And then to top it all off, they create a boogie, an invisible boogeyman in the concept of terrorism that they can now use as one of their tools. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the thing, though. But yeah, but that's the thing, though, is Islamic terrorism, radical jihad is real. And they use those guys as shock troops. Do you understand? Like there is people who want to do those things we see attacks abroad too like in yemen i mean people really do get killed those those bombs go off oh without a doubt yeah (laughs) but but they can use those people as shock troops because they can scare they can scare people we saw that a lot with the bush administration see there's been a complete inversion in the politics of the right versus the left it used to be and i remember this when the left was you know they weren't scared of of terrorism but now they embrace it in the sense of like well you can't racially profile and you can't discriminate blah 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 blah. but it was the right wing people who didn't want to hear anything about conspiracy theories you try to tell a republican in 2001 or 2002 that george bush was involved with 9-11 and he called you a terrorist he'd say you're crazy you're one of them crazy lefties it was the left that embraced the quote-unquote conspiracy theories and it was the right who tried to dispel them now we see the exact opposite so that's one thing i gotta give credit to because i'll give credit where credit's due and that's one thing i gotta give credit to the uh, the elite or the illuminati or whatever you want to call them is they've managed to dupe the average person into thinking that if somebody believes something that's a little contrary to what they say is settled that they're not just a little nutty, that they're a white right-wing extremist. Yep. That's, that's, that's pretty crafty. I got to hand it to them. And they did it through Trump. See, they used Trump to call out everybody because everybody was comfortable in, in expressing how they felt about the government or about this or about big pharma or big this or big that. And then they go, okay, now we know how many people there are that are going to resist the vaccine. In other words, they like it was like a check. It was like it was like raise your hand if you're going to be like a problem in the future. And then they looked at all the Trump supporters and they said, okay, if you're a Trump maga, this you know. And then it was like they kind of it was like a barometer. Yep. Test run. Yeah, I I agree totally. I think I think it was a you know controlled experiment all along. And Mm -hmm. like you're saying, it was almost like they were herding cattle to see which which pen were you going to go in? Were you going to were you going to flock with Trump and and be one of those patriotic, you know, uh, constitutional Americans? Or are you going to go to the Mm -hmm. left and and just listen and obey and go along with what we do as long as we give you what you want or give you treats and things like that? No, yeah, it totally it reminded me of like when Mao when Mao took over in China and then people started complaining that they couldn't speak their mind, that they couldn't uh, have their own voice and, and, and all this and that. 
So Mao, being the uh, diabolical communist that he was, he tricked everybody. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, um, we're going to have this thing called the, uh, the Freedom Wall. And everybody can come and write their grievances and their complaints on the wall. And they fell for it. So they all went down there and they said, you know, we have a problem with this, Mao. We have a problem with this. And then they killed everybody who spoke up. Yep. Because it was like a trick. It was like, oh, yeah, here. Here's a safe, here's a safe spot for you. Here's a safe place, you know, whatever they call it, to um, voice your grievances. And then they just, they just kept track of everybody that was there that was, and then, you know, and that's like when you go to a big march or you go to a big protest, like that January 6th thing, and there's FBI agents everywhere taking pictures of you saying, hey, brother, how's it going? Yeah, I'm your best buddy. You know, give me your address. You know, and that's what happened with Waco. Yep. was those guys were just trying to do their thing and then the guy needed some extra money so the the FBI or the ATF agent actually it was ATF he said oh you want to earn some extra money uh, saw the barrels off of these shotguns and that's how that started and then so the guy uh, he started sawing the barrels off the shotguns and then the ATF agent started bringing more and more weapons over to to Waco to the compound and he said, ah, we don't need all this. You go, oh, yeah, of course you do. Of course you do. Because, you know, X, Y, and Z. And they set those guys up. And then the FBI came and they go, oh, it's full of weapons. Yeah, it's full of weapons that your agent gave that guy to, uh, to modify. Yep. And, and it goes back to, to kids' cartoons, right? This whole thing mm-hmm. is the Wile E. Coyote and Roadrunner, right? You, see, you try and set one of them up. And he, and eventually the boulder is going to fall on your head because you just followed blindly and, exactly. and you were set up from the beginning and, and you're exactly right that all the examples that you gave there are spot on where it was a complete and utter setup. And that's what they've, they, one of the thing that, you know, I'm trying the reasons why I started this podcast <laughs> is because I started seeing these things more and more. Right. And they seemed more and more obvious to me. But when I would go and talk to somebody else, they'd look at you like you have three heads like, no, no, that's crazy. They would never do that. But then you have to what you have to do is start showing a timeline of repeat offenses. And eventually there's no such thing as coincidence. If, if, if something happens repeatedly over and over again, that's called a pattern that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's something that, uh, that is no longer loses that instance of possibility anymore. And now it goes more towards, okay, this is a setup. And after a while you start seeing, because they don't change the playbook. They just change the players involved. It's the same Mm -hmm. plan over and over and over. It's just, who do they use to enact it and which way, which route do they go with it? You know, is it, are we using, you know, uh, agitators like Antifa or are we going like the, um, World Economic Forum back in in Seattle in the 1990s, where it was all inside job, where the FBI brought agent provocateurs in. So yeah, Black Bloc. Yeah, exactly. And which was basically you know, Antifa. But then you know you go back to the history of Antifa, and then Antifa was around in the 40s under the Frankfurt School, you know, of of uh, Jewish communists, basically Marxists or Frankists. And then when World War II ended, they said, well, how are we going to continue the war against the West, the war against capitalism, the war against America? Because a lot of communists, you know, they weren't really happy that America sided with Stalin to get rid of the Nazis. But it was a necessary 
compromise that they had to make. And then you had General Patton when he was still alive before he mysteriously died. And he said, we got to strike the Reds. Now they're weak. And he wanted to go all the way to Moscow. Yeah. He said, well, we got them on their knees. Like the Germans did us a favor. Like we got rid of the Nazis. Now let's get rid of the commies. And they go, oh no, that's, that'd be too, that'd be too low blow. You know, we're supposed to have like a deal here with, with Churchill and Stalin and Patton said, you know, you guys are fools. This is our only opportunity to get rid of, of the USSR. Like there's, we're never going to have another opportunity. And then, you know, he mysteriously died in a car crash, you know, a few months after that, after he voiced his opinion. A lot of people don't know about that, but he was right. Like that would have been the time to, to handle that. But anyway, so then the Frankfurt School said, okay, well, we're just going to infiltrate the American school system. We're going to send our guys over to the campuses, to the universities. In, and then that's when you also started to see a big shift in history. In other words, you know, people talk about the old world and the maps got changed. Yeah, the maps did get changed. If you're lucky enough to find an Encyclopedia Britannica from the 1800s or an atlas from the 1700s, the whole thing's different. Yeah. And people go, oh, that's because cartography got better and it got more precise and they didn't know what they were doing. And, you know, that's why they put dragons in the ocean and, you know, all this silly stuff. And it's like, no, there's numerous maps where it shows the, the quote unquote North Pole, you know, what I mean, if you believe in the globe model. And there's islands up there and they weren't frozen. People explored them. Yeah, there was snow, it was cold, but they weren't completely frozen over. And people talked about, you know, what was above Greenland and what was above the Yukon territories in Canada uh, over to Asia. You didn't have to go around the Pacific Ocean. Well, that was because people came in and they started changing things around. And people go, why, why would they want to do that? I said, why not? If they can convince you that the world is composed differently, then they can convince you of anything. You know, and I think that that's why there's this big push. I don't know if you saw it or not. There's an article in Bloomberg magazine where they talked about Tartaria. And they said, oh, these people are so dumb. They're so crazy. They think that these buildings are, and they totally took everything out of context like they always do. But then when I saw that, I did a video about it. It's on my YouTube channel. I said, um, you know, when they start doing stuff like this, you know, you're on the right track. Exactly. And that was my, I hadn't, honestly, I hadn't seen that Bloomberg article until probably about two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And so I, I read through it and, and you're spot on it, it. First of all, they had to instantly tie it to QAnon to try and discredit it. And then, and then, like you said, on top of it, one of the things was they went after obviously the weakest points of Tartaria. Mm-hmm. And then they also, the person that they interviewed was the, the, uh, was red bricks who, you know, I, I like what he does, but the fact that he says that every mountain is a mounted building, it's a little out there. And I don't know if I totally agree with that. So, I mean, you might want to get a, a multiple sources to, to check on that article, but you're back to your point. You're spot on, right? That it was when they start going at you publicly, you know, you're over the target. It's like on Instagram, when you start getting that shadow ban, you know, you hit on something and, and they're going to come at you and they're going to try and make you look crazy. It's the same MO of the mainstream media. 
you know I yeah mean, no i get that i get that in the comment section on my videos on youtube um a lot actually you know people saying that i'm an agent people saying that i'm um uh, a gatekeeper and, and you know stuff. most of the most of those are probably bots oh i know right yeah, I don't I, get, I, you know. and that's the thing that drives me nuts too it's I get that on Instagram. I mean, I don't have nearly as many followers as you do, uh, but just on some of the posts that I put out there. And again, I'm not saying when I put stuff out there, I'm not saying this is fact. This is set in stone. I'm trying to put it out there to pose a question to you just to get you to think. And a guy, the you know, multiple times these people come out, oh, you're retarded. This is stupid. I'm like, well, I, I OK, I want you to leave because you can't even question it right i want yeah. someone that can at least be uh stable enough to say okay i may not agree with this but let's listen to the question and then let's just think about it and if we don't agree with it and think it's dumb we move on we don't have to sit there and say oh you're a shill oh this is such a waste blah blah, blah. Mm -hmm. they'll say all those people are um they're trying to make us look bad i say i don't want to be i'm not trying to be associated with, i'm talking about history this isn't even political. You guys are making it like a phenomenon. Whenever you start talking about something weird, then they ought to know in person. Uh, I, I don't want to be grouped into any, you know, like, oh, he's a Tartarian research. No, I, I'm just looking into old history. Now, whatever you want to call it, it, you know, go ahead. But I feel like, yeah, anytime you look at anything historical now, it's automatically tied in with Tartaria. And it's like, no, that's not how this works. But everyone wants to talk Tartaria. And it's like, no, no, no. I want to talk old world. Yeah. Well, I think that Tartaria is becoming kind of like an umbrella term. And it's almost like, I don't want to say dog whistle, but it's kind of like a little, it's like a little nod. Like, okay, yeah, you know what Tartaria means. So that means that you're like, you're on the next level of things. Because that's the way that these things work is we can't keep going along with these tired you know tried and true kind of like what we call foundation of a of a conspiracy theory believing person like i said you know uh the jfk assassination the moon landing hoax you know little green men you know stuff like that so it was about time that something kind of broke through and the internet's obviously great at doing that but it's also great at getting people organized in a sense of okay we're going to spread memes and that's why i started the the instagram account the mud flood memes is because i know the power of memetics and using memes to kind of spread like through humor you can actually attract a lot of people people who don't really understand what's going on especially like gen z kids you know kids that were born after the year 2000 and they're like what's this guy on and people just are they're attracted to edginess like you don't really see people talking about little green men anymore because people are kind of over it people are kind of like well you know like my grandfather believes in aliens like i want something edgier i want something with more more uh just i don't i don't know street cred or something like just something different so that's why you're seeing a lot of people talk about uh skinwalkers that's another one that's popped up you know the skinwalker thing and people like they joke about it i mean there's there's pages there's accounts on instagram where it seems like they're pretty much completely dedicated to the Wendangos and the shadow people and, you know, all this stuff. It's like, it's new lore, it's new mythology and people just can't keep up with it. And then they go, what the hell are they, what the hell are they talking about now? You know, like I remember I found the, um, 
I found the Flat Earth uh, website back in 2003, flatearth.org, and I looked at it and I go, hey, that's kind of cool. Like, it's like, it's different, you know? And then I started studying all these like NASA pictures and how it's all CGI. And I said, wait, we've never actually seen Saturn. And then I looked up what it actually, it looks like a star to me. It's not like what they show us all that CGI. And then I looked at the fine print and they go, oh, this is all um, artists' renditions. This is all like um, simulated images of what we're told. And once again, you know, they'll fill people's heads with all kinds of quantum physics and theoretical physics and all this, stuff. anything but God. You know, once you start talking about God and Jesus, then it's, oh, you're crazy. But they'll yep. believe they'll believe in all kinds of quote unquote spiritualism, you know, which is just a hodgepodge of, of things. And when you start studying religion, you see that it's, you know, it's not all like sunshine, like According to Buddhism, I'm not a Buddhist or anything, but according to Buddhism, women can never go to nirvana. They can never reach nirvana because they don't have the temperance. Uh, and this is coming from the Dalai Lama. This is coming from Buddha himself saying, women will never achieve nirvana. But you see all these like hippy dippy chicks running around saying, I'm a Buddhist, I'm a Buddhist. You know, and it's like, okay, so you believe you're a monotheistic? No, I hate my monotheism. That's like Christianity. I go, no, you know, Buddhism is monotheistic. Like Buddha's like Christ, you know, and Buddha's not God. He's a path to God. And according to the, you know, and you talk about Hinduism. Well, Hinduism has a bunch of rules. They have a hell. They have all kinds of commandments. They have, and there's no escape. So what they do is they start worshiping nature. And I was talking to Shadowband podcast. I was talking to Jeff about this is that is what the elite want us to do is worship the earth. That's the final step. When they get us to worship the earth, they can say, hey, lockdown. Got to save the planet. And, and you're starting to see that now with the climate change push. Mm -hmm. and, and that's an interesting one in itself, because if you look back, I don't know, maybe the last 50, 60 years, every decade, there's a new climate related end of the world scare that they put out there. Um, mm -hmm. I know I remember as a kid in like the late 80s, early 90s, it was the ozone layer and, mm -hmm. and you, know, you had to stop using aerosol cans because it was killing the ozone layer. I haven't heard the ozone layer mentioned in 25 years. Yeah, I mean, I was just a kid, but I remember that, too. That was my yeah. first introduction to, to, you know, the way that uh, climate politics, I guess you would call it, you know, worked. I was born in 1983, so. And I have a really good memory and stuff. So, I, I mean, I, I, I remember that. And it was global. First, it was global cooling. And then it was global warming. It just keeps going back and forth. And they can't make up their mind about it. No. But, and then you had Al Gore in, in, in 20 years ago mm -hmm. saying, we're going to, you know, everything's going to melt in by 2020. We're in 2020 and yeah. nothing happened. So, yeah. And then you it, see these people buying beachfront property in Martha's Vineyard and Cape Cod. And all these places are supposed to be underwater in 10 years. Yep. That's a little strange. Yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't make any sense, does it now? You know, you figure it doesn't, hey. but it actually, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, it runs contrary to what they're trying to say. But then at the same time, it actually makes me feel good because I'm like, well, hey, you know, that's just more proof that I got nothing to worry about yeah, because these people wouldn't be doing this shit if they believed in this crap. Well, Why does Bill Gates? Why does Bill Gates have an island off the coast of Washington if he thought that there was going to be a tsunami or if he thought that there was going to be a huge earthquake? 
Yeah, and they're talking about carbon emissions, flying around in jets, you know, in their private no. jets to these meetings, yeah. and it's no, that's because that's the silliest thing that the carbon tax is pay the government more money and we'll change the weather. Yeah. Well, so and then when and, the- and the big crock of all that is the biggest of the carbon emissions is the military industrial complex and they mm-hmm. are exempt from this whole carbon emission scam that they're going to run so well and also china and also china is the biggest polluting country and they had their little uh, climate summit and they asked china they said okay are you guys going to stop using coal and they said no we're going to start using more well and little do people know you need coal to power like the electrical the, the oh yeah electrical no, that stuff goes, yeah so that goes it, without saying yeah mm-hmm. yeah it just it's a whole it's another one of those boogeymen no i mean like, i'm not a, I'm, yeah i mean i'm not an earth i'm not an earth worshiper so i i think that humans are here to use these resources uh within within reason i mean i'm not saying we should you know throw you know acid into the uh the the trout pond or anything like that but the coals here, we're on a course here now. If people want to go back to a pre-industrial revolution society, I'm okay with that too. But we have to admit that we cannot half-ass it. It's either we go full scheme and see what happens and just embrace it and live without any weird guilt, without any weird nature-worshipping guilt, or we go back to pre-industrial revolution and we try to live a harmonious you know, life with nature. But we cannot have the best of both worlds. Yeah, and I think I, I don't think you're going to be able to sell going back to these people. No, you know, they've been impossible. so indoctrinated and so brainwashed by the system that the, you have to. Listen well, to the I government. mean, just we'd have mass die offs. I mean, there's people that are literally their lives depend. I'm still at a point in my life where, yeah, if I had to go into the woods, like I would have a chance. But there's people they literally cannot live without electricity. Oh, yeah. I and mean, they'll just die. Yeah, they're just that's the end of them. You know, and so we would see a mass die off in the Western world. A lot of people in the world would be okay with it because they're relatively used to, you know, minimal technology and minimal industrialization. But yeah, no, I mean, we would see a period of adjustment that would last for five or six decades. It would take, you know, half a century for people to get used to. Like if we had a, um, what we call a Carrington event, like a, a mass EMP from a sunray burst and it fried all the electronic equipment anything electrical doesn't work cars battery anything we would get sent immediately back into like the mid 19th century like we're talking about a uh, solar storm so nothing works that's that's electrical yeah and so that would speaking of which you you uh, when you were on with uh jeff you were talking about um you know like the orphan trains and all that Mm -hmm. of the of the mid 1800s and you mentioned the um, inheritors. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. and I found that to be I hadn't I hadn't heard that term used before. But when you were describing it, I was I was working on something for the Chicago World Fair, and at the same time, I found this quote that says, "Everyone about us moved softly and spoke gently. No mm-hmm. one seemed hurried or impatient. All were under a spell, a spell mm. that held us from the opening of the fair until its close." Wow. And, hearing what you said about the inheritors and then that quote it's like wow it's almost like these people were placed here not knowing where they were placed when they were there what time it was and they were just kind of walking around trying to figure out what's going on 
And it kind of matched right there with what you were saying, because they're dressed, you know, they're all dressed the same. Um, and, and I know a couple of your videos, I love that playlist that you had the old world playlist mm-hmm. uh, because it hits a variety of topics, but one of them is the old world. And you talk about this where the clothes, I mean, you have people yeah. full clothes at the beach, no towels, no nothing, just standing around on the beach. It just doesn't make any sense. Oh yeah. That's what really got, that's what really got me. And I made a few memes about it and stuff and people seem to kind of resonate with it so i said okay well that's probably you know the the right direction to go with this inheritor theory is the no towels on the beach and it's just it's so goofy because you know and people bring up modesty laws and i go that doesn't that doesn't no i I, i'm not going along with that because i happen to know that the the whole purity thing that's a myth you know we got that from watching you know leave it to beaver and little house on the prairie and stuff like that the whole thing about, you know, the beds being pushed together and, you know, man and a woman slept in different beds and all that kind of crap. That was for the TV. You know, that was that was like 1950s uh, television kind of uh, programming. I happen to know that back in those days, not everybody had to. Do you know how expensive clothes were? To, you know, you couldn't not everybody could wear those big fancy dresses and, and uh, parasols and stuff like that. That was a lot of that stuff was from the world's fairs like we watched the footage and even those pictures too of san francisco like at the cliff house yeah when they're all wearing those fancy dresses and stuff that was during the world's fair because there was a world's fair in san francisco in the 1800s as well not just in 19 uh they had one before the uh the earthquake but those were the expos and i guess they weren't technically they weren't world's fairs but they were the the world expos or whatever they called them the, yeah, it was right at, right after Chicago, I think. It was the uh, mm-hmm. late 1890s. Yeah. And so a lot of people couldn't afford to dress like that. A lot of people were wearing uh, rags, and you could see their cleavage, and you could see... I mean, the people, the blue-collar people, the, the, the proletariats, you know, of the time, they weren't wearing gowns like that, and you could see a lot more skin. And they... I don't know if they were the inheritors. I think the inheritors were like, like you said, they were like these people that were under a spell. Because to go to the World's Fair, you had to have money. There was a there was an entrance fee, and it was they didn't allow. And I think I touched upon that in one of the videos where I said they must have like moved everybody out of the out of the way to make these little movies. And it seems like very orchestrated, very scripted kind of like they only had the certain kind of people that they wanted. And there's a video. Um, I think I did a video of it on my YouTube channel where they have the famous film where they go down market street on the trolley car from, from the beginning all the way to the water. And at the very end, and I actually posted this on my Instagram account. um, There's these like nuns and I paused it and I zoomed in and they look really demonic. It's really trippy. Like, and they're wearing like a nun, uh, you know, the habit, you know, they get the whole get up on, but you zoom in and you look and they just, they look very, very evil looking. And I said, what the hell was going on in San Francisco? And then I think just the history of the town. And, and I mean, there's a lot of stuff. And when that's why I started old scary worlds, I didn't want to just talk about Tartaria. I wanted to talk about Babylonia. I mean, everything that encompasses the quote unquote old world. 
and how a lot of uh, things haven't really ceased and they've just been handed down generation to generation. And there's a lot of places, there's a lot of places on this planet that these people, you know, meet at. We hear about Bohemian Grove. That's kind of played out a little bit because of, you know, Alex Jones going there and, you know, supposedly exposing these people in Bohemian Grove. And I don't live too far from there either. I've actually been to the, the front gates of that place, but there's other places that people don't know about. Like in, um, there's a small country in Europe. I think it's, um, I think it's in Belgium or Luxembourg or Liechtenstein. There's a place called the Mother of Darkness Castle. And it's also a thousand points of light. And then we go back to uh, Bush Sr. talking about thousand points of light. Do you remember that? Yep. And then there was was, a speech. That was the New World Order speech. Well, there's a castle called the Mother of Darkness Castle. And it's a castle that's owned by the Rothschilds. And it's been in the family for centuries. And for centuries, there's been rumors in the night that that's where these people go and they do their their weird things. And people might be wondering, well, how does this tie into the old world? Well, I'll tell you how it ties into the old world. It ties into the old world because these places exist as new places for these rituals of the old world to continue. And it's not like one day people just woke up and said, hey, we're going to stop acting like that. We're going to stop doing these, these old world rituals. So part of that ritual, in my opinion, is the introduction of people into cities because cities are like hives for these, these resets. So with the orphan trains and all that kind of stuff, like I was talking to Jeff about that, is I don't think that they were just taking orphan kids out of the city and bringing them out to the farmland. I also think they were taking kids from rural areas and bringing them into the city. And those are the people who don't know what the hell is going on. And we see those people looking bewildered. Well, yeah. And if you look at that that, and think about that, it makes sense, especially at that time, because that was during the Industrial Revolution. They were trying to establish America as this, you know, next world power. And in order to be able to do that, they had to build up, they needed manpower. And that was the one thing. And and that seems to be the common theme of everything here. And, and you mentioned beehive and, 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 and get them into that, that cluster. And mm-hmm. that's what it seems. It seems like we're used almost as batteries in this thing. And, you know, and they, I know how they love word magic. And, you know, mm-hmm. one of the things is electricity. You break that down. It's electric city and you, you uh-huh. look at a, a city from overhead and a lot of them resemble, you know, like a motherboard of a computer and you start to think, you know, why, and, and then it gets into smart cities that they want to I- introduce. And that's basically really where I think the be all end all of this is, is tying the smart city in with a, a social credit score and basically be able to check on you at any moment they, they need to. But yeah, and that's 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 the really spooky thing where this thing's going. And um, I was talking to my wife about this and I was saying to her, I was saying, look, they got everything that they could out of the um, post World War II lifestyle like suburbia. I'm a big fan of suburbia. Like I grew up in suburbia and it's sad that they're they basically put it out on the table that they're not going to build any more suburbs that any urban planning, any housing, it's going to go into this kind of hybrid system. Yeah. It seems like there's no, it's everything's going to be vertical from now on. Yeah. Vertical and dense and homogenous and, and surveilled. 
but anyways, when I get to the point, the point is I said, look, they got all they could out of, uh, out of Johnny lunch bucket. You know what I mean by Johnny lunch bucket? Yep. And so they're phasing that out because that's what you needed to give. Uh, that's what you needed to give men who were coming back from the war the GI bill and say, Hey, you know, you get a house, you get the boat, you get the two car garage, you get the three and a half kids, you get the whole thing. Right. And they built so much, they built so much and they built the economy on it and they fought wars with it. They sent those guys, kids to Vietnam. And then they sent those guys, kids, kids to desert storm. And then they sent those guys, kids, to operation enduring freedom after 9-11 and it was this hyper testosterone which i'm a, totally a proponent of i don't believe in the myth of, of of toxic masculinity it's toxic masculinity quote unquote that got us this far and we're living off the fumes of that um bravado of that patriarchal system that's what's got us to this point that's the thing that these these idiot college kids don't understand they think that you know they're like, okay, now we'll take over. Oh, you want to take over now that we've built this perfect system and you think it's going to stay like that. You guys don't know how to use a screwdriver. It's not going to work. So what do they do? And they say, oh, well, we're going to bring in these robots and you know, we're going to bring in all this auto. It's all a bunch of nonsense. What they did was they built this country on the backs of real men and real women. And now they want to replace it with this new human. And my prediction, if I live long enough to see it, is they are going to get rid of the that you will not be able to just have a kid. You will have to go to the hospital and you will have to have in vitro fertilization. You know what I'm saying? Like it'll be illegal to have a natural birth. Wow. And, and, and if you think about it w- with some of the rumors of what's going on with the, uh, the vaccinations and the associated sterilizations, that's mm-hmm. not too far off. Well, that's the thing, too. And we won't even have to do that. I mean, obviously, there's some speculation that the vaccines are causing infertility and sterility in men. But what about alcohol? What about marijuana? What about chronic masturbation? What about pornography addiction? I mean, that's doing the trick. We're seeing sperm counts go down and we're seeing all these problems with with men even being able to have kids based on just their lifestyle alone. Well, and yeah, and they're they're putting all sorts of chemicals in the food, in the water oh, yeah. that, that in, it reduced that as well, because, and you see it and it's in, in the programming as well, because you can see uh, the destruction of the nuclear family. That's, that's something oh, yeah. they, that's the last, that's another last step. You've got to get rid of that and you've got to get rid of um, Christianity and you have to get rid of Western philosophy. You have to get rid of patriarchal uh, traditional gender roles this thing's all about confusion. And then, you know, your listeners might be thinking like, well, what does this have to do with the old world? I want to hear about, I'll tell you how, because it all ties back to the present. What we're witnessing right now is the equivalent to what people are trying to figure out. What was this, this, these reset civilizations and who are the inheritors? Well, we're going to get replaced by the new inheritors. You know who the new inheritors are going to be? They're going to be the people who don't remember how things are right now. And they don't remember how things were in the 1970s or the 1980s or even the 1990s. That's the plan. The plan is to change history again. And people go, oh, there was these crazy people and they never, 
knew this and they didn't get vaccinated every six months and they were like these weird people and I guess they built some things and I mean we're seeing the decimation of western civilization before our very eyes that's the reset we're in a reset yes yeah. we're witnessing a reset so that's how it ties into the old world our world our present world one day is going to be the old world you know and, and, and it, it, it no, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, it just it gets me a little riled up, to be honest. I mean, I, you can tell that my voice has changed because I see it happening and I'm not nuts. I'm a very level headed. Per- I used to be um, when I would talk about, quote unquote, conspiracies, this I had the attention of the left. I had the attention of the of the, you know, uh, druggy type people that I used to hang around with when I was a teenager and in my early 20s. And people ate it up. People loved to hear about all those people. The majority, the vast majority of those people, they don't want to have anything to do with me now. They think that I've changed. I said, I haven't changed. I've just been keeping, keeping up. Yep. I've always been ahead of the curve. And they go, oh, no, you're crazy now. It's like, oh, I wasn't crazy 15 years ago when I was telling you about the lizard people. When I was telling you that uh, 9-11 was an inside job, you had no problem believing that. Uh, You had no problem with me telling you about... uh, you know, satanic ritual abuse and, you know, shapeshifters and, and ghosts and stuff. But now they, these, these people, they've, they've been, I don't know, man, it's scary. Well, what, what they've done a great, and when I say they, I, I mean, the controllers, the elite, mm-hmm. whoever, whoever they may be, that what they've done is they've taken mainstream media and they've poked fun at or put these topics into movies or shows mm-hmm. to to make them seem okay this is fantasy and and now we're at a point where enough people watch netflix or listen to the news that they get inundated with this that and and desensitized to it to the point where they just automatically assume it's fantasy it's not has no base in reality and it's really a, a, a brilliant programming scheme by them because they're doing what they're showing you what they're doing and you're mm-hmm. laughing at it and saying, ha ha ha, that's so funny. That's so silly. No, it's actually happening right in front of your face and you're doing yep. nothing about it, but laughing. Yeah, no, they're, they're part of it. And like, like I said, you know, I'm at the point in my life now where I'm not here to like save anybody. I'm not here to wake anybody up. I'm here to kind of i would say what i'm here to do is i'm here to remind people that they're not crazy if they're already on this level if they're already looking into this kind of stuff if they're already kind of thinking the same wavelength but i'm not here to like wake anybody up i used to do that stuff in the early 2000s the mid 2000s i used to it it took about six hours I, i got really good at it and i would pull somebody aside and they'd say hey george i heard you know, like some stuff about, and they'd be like smoking dope and drinking beer. And I'd say, okay, well, first of all, you got to sober up. And then I'd be like, there's no point in me telling you this crap when you're wasted because you're not going to remember it. So we'll talk again. So then I'd see them and they, and they were sober and they're like, Hey man, I'm ready. Like, tell me all about like all that crazy stuff you know about. So I say, okay, fine. And I had the time back then. It was like a hobby of mine, you know? Yep. And like I said, it'd take about six hours and I would sit there and we didn't have smartphones back then. So that was cool. And there wasn't really a lot of distractions. So we would just like sit outside and I'd start talking to them around, you know, 10 o'clock at night. And then the, sooner or later, the sun's coming up and the birds are chirping 
and they walk away a completely different person. And they're like, hey, thanks for waking me up, man. It's a whole and new set of people, eyes, right? What's that? A whole new set of eyes. Yeah, a whole new set of eyes, a whole new mindset. And they realize I'm not bullshitting them because I had nothing to gain. I wasn't trying to sell them vitamins. I wasn't trying to sell them a book. I wasn't trying to, to get them to subscribe to my YouTube channel because there was no YouTube back then. I was just like, here, here's, here's the deal. Like, here's what's going on. I had a guy one time, he asked me, he goes, he was kind of like a, he was kind of like a broham kind of guy. And he goes, uh, he goes, bro, like, you're like smart and shit. Uh, where am I going to go when I die? And I go, well, I go, what are you? And he goes, what do you mean, bro? I go, what's your religion? He goes, I'm Catholic, bro. Oh, you're Catholic. Okay. Well, uh, based on what I've observed, uh, you're going to hell. Oh, harsh, bro. I'm going to hell. <laughs> I said, well, I don't know, man. You, you asked me, you said, I said, where do you think you're going to, I said, well, if you're a Catholic, you believe in that, then, then, then that's where you're going to go. And that's my whole thing is people create their own hell. They really do. You know, and if people want to get into this mindset that the government's always going to say, I see you got to, you got to knock that, you know, like there's people out here that are putting their hearts out on the line. They're putting their souls out there and you're calling them crazy and they're trying to help you. Yep. I got people, you know, in my life, friends of mine, and they have refused to stop using drugs. They've refused to, to, to wake up and they're not doing good. They're not in stable relationships. They don't have a stable job. They, they have problems with, you know, all kinds of things. And there's this commonality is, is that they are the types of people that if you tell them about the mud floods, Tartaria, I mean, it's just completely over their head and they're kind of still stuck back in the old, you know, conditioning uh, in the old narrative of like, well, I don't know anything, but all I know is the aliens built the pyramids and they kind of are pacified with that. Like they think that they're a little enlightened because they know like, or my, one of my favorites is the guys who take acid all the time and they think that that's like enlightenment is taking psychedelics to know you're just frying your brain. Like your, your switches are getting all confused and you, you mistake it for a religious experience. Well, and you know? especially acid, because that's a chemi- that's manufactured, you know, it's mm-hmm. not even a real drug. You know, some of the others that you, you know, DMT and, and mushrooms mm-hmm. and things like that are a totally different thing. But yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't understand that at all. Like, <laughs> you know, just because you take acid now, all of a well, sudden. I mean, we want to go and they'll use the Native Americans and, and, the, and the Southern uh, South Americans. And I say, you, you realize that when those guys were doing ayahuasca and taking peyote and stuff, they would do it like once or twice a year and they call it walking the spirit road. It was and ceremonial. They yeah. Ceremonial once or twice a year not they weren't doing it all the time and we got this culture of micro dosing you know where people just do a little tiny bit like several times a week yeah and it says and it helps with their create i said you know maybe i i don't i don't really see the connection there i see more i see more enlightenment with, through through abstinence and sobriety because it shows that you have some self-control and you talked about vibrational levels and lowering your vibrational levels well that's what drugs do is they lower your vibrational level. And if you believe in any of that kind of spiritual type stuff, you're just allowing negative energy to 
enter into your chakras or, or whatever you want to call it. And this is like what they believe in. So I, I just, for me, it's hard to find the, the connection between dropping out and lowering your vibrational level and gaining knowledge. I think to gain knowledge, you have to have a high vibrational rate and you have to be aware and you have to be totally in control of your senses to receive information. Yeah, you have to be receptive. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that I've found is I've learned more when I'm looking for it and and just open to it than I ever did when I was in school and I was being forced to learn. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of the things that I hated school. Honestly, it was one of those where it was torture. It was painful and it was just, it was forced on you. And then once you, you get to this certain point where you start learning things that really pique your interest, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden these receptors open up and you start receiving stuff from all over the place and and then it's a whole new world. Now learning is like there's not enough time in the day for me to, to to look into all the things I'd like to look into. Oh yeah, you know you're just you got to focus on one thing at a time. I mean, it, it's obviously it's easy to get distracted. It's almost like we've created a new problem where there's so much information so easily available that we really have to prioritize what we're actually trying to comprehend instead yeah. of just looking here and looking here and looking here. We got to really. It's kind of like if you had like a jukebox with every song in the world and you're just hitting fast forward, you know, every 10 seconds instead of listening to the whole album, you know. And sometimes it makes me leery of these subjects that come out of nowhere Mm -hmm. Um, because you wonder how did they make it this far, especially with the Internet and nobody's heard anything about it. And then all of a sudden, boom, out it comes. And it's like a, a... a flood of information and you have to, and there are some that are completely bogus. And that's what I I laugh at because there's a lot of people that will run with their flag and they'll run right off the cliff because they Mm -hmm. don't, they, they just want to be the first one or want to be on that. Say I was one of the initial people that hopped onto this instead of taking the time and, and looking into things a little bit deeper. Um, well, yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing with me is I started watching the, when I was a kid, that X-Files show was new, you know, in yep. the early 90s. And uh, that's that was like my first introduction to like this whole little world about, you know, conspiracy theories and aliens and, you know, um, the men in black and, and all that kind of stuff that that, that that show, you know, tried to dramatize and romanticize. But as I got older... I never really stopped looking and it just started to really fascinate me. Anything to do with unexplained mysteries, you know, uh, Atlantis, uh, Easter Island, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, you remember that show that the guy from Star Trek hosted, Leonard Nimoy, he was called In Search Of? Yes. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that I used to watch when I was a kid because they hadn't made all these, like, weird ancient aliens and all this crap that they come out with in the last 10 years. And the History Channel used to just play a lot of old stuff. They didn't have the budget and they didn't have the programming that they have now. So I knew all about like, uh, what's that thing that they call um, remote viewing? Like it's a form of ESP where guys can like close their eyes and they can see things, you know, miles and miles away. Uh, I think they call it remote viewing. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of like what they did in Operation Looking Glass. Yeah, stuff like that. So I, I knew about that stuff when I was a kid, and then I just never stopped. And then when um, people started talking about it on the internet and people started talking about it on 4chan and Reddit and all this kind of stuff, I was like, oh, I, yeah, like, 
I've always been acclimated. I've just been slowly getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. It's the problem arises when you find these people that just woke up like after Trump got elected and they're like, oh, I'm based, I'm red pilled, I'm MAGA. I'm the, and you go back and you look at them how they were before and they were totally oblivious. You know, and then you start telling them about like what's really going on, that it has nothing to do with right and left politics, that that's another red herring. And that what it really is, is it's the international banking conspiracy. And that these these people have been in control, like, you know, they want to try to paint um, like people like Jeffrey Epstein, you know, and say, oh, he's dead now. That's that's, you know, that's over with. We don't have to worry about this. It's like, no, there's other people involved in this. And, you know, and they go, um, Bill Gates is the richest man in the world. And you go, you, you realize that the real people who are actually the richest, the most wealthy, I mean, they transcend money they don't want to be named they don't want people to know who they are you will never know their names exactly i mean it's so tied up in in trusts that have existed for centuries and property rights that have existed for millennia i mean these people are related to charlemagne and you know other great rulers of europe and you know they've interbred with other uh royalty from scandinavia i mean these people like the like the it's just like it's a whole other world. So they want people all concerned with these uh, CEOs, and they're they're like taking the fall. They're these the fall guys. The fall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're the front men. They're the face. It's like Gates. Yeah. It's like Fauci. Yeah, Those guys say, don't Fauci's have. Fauci's the fall guy. They're gonna yeah. throw him to the wolves. They have no power. They are they are essentially puppets. They are they are the face of the operation. And when the operation runs its course, they are dealt yep. with accordingly. You know, either they are rewarded heavily for their success or you never hear from them again if they fail. And how this ties into the old world. Well, I'll bring it around again. Back in those days, back in the late 1800s and early 1900s, we had fall guys then they were called Rockefeller. Hearst, um, Stockton. Well, that's kind of a California thing, but the, the, the original governors of California. You get into you know, the, the Morgans. Um, yeah, I mean, all kinds of, uh, the, well, the captains of industry, the Vanderbilts. Yep. You know, but these people are still around. They've had, they had children. They're, you know, um, what's his name? Anderson Cooper from CNN. He's a Vanderbilt. Yes. He had a brother commit suicide. His, his twin brother jumped out of some big building in New York city and you know, their mother, uh, Gloria Vanderbilt, she was doing all this weird satanic art. I don't know if you've ever seen the picture of them sitting in bed when they were kids. Oh, it is so creepy, man. That yeah. just, that thing bugged me out. But once again, those people are, they're not the top of the echelon. You know, they're not the, the, the high, like high, high people. They're just the people that were allowed to consume and go, Oh, look at these evil billionaire you know family and blah, blah 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 and you know but the the real people behind the scenes the real people making the sausages like you said we're never going to know their names but you know what the thing is with those families those families tend to be the most involved in the debauchery mm-hmm. they're they're the ones that have to go through all the rituals and all of that stuff that for all the fame and fortune that they have they don't have much else. No, and it comes at a price. It exactly. comes at the price of public scrutiny. It comes at the price of having all kinds of weird 
rumors about you being spread, whether they're true or not, it doesn't matter. But it was something that I think I brought up with Jeff on the shadow band podcast was, um, and this pertains to the old world is Elizabeth Bathory. And she was a Hungarian uh, baroness or countess. You know, she was a countess and she was the wife of a count. And she was the one who supposedly bathed in the blood of, of virgin girls to retain her youth. And they eventually uh, sealed her up in a wall as punishment. But the point is, is that we have these rumors nowadays about spirit cooking and um oh, adrenochrome like, like abramovich is the face yeah. of it and you see her with yeah. the blood and or madonna yeah. in a blood bath yeah. they're artists yep they're 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 characters that that's who you, and then you know how that that's that's what actually just now within with it just never really ended it's just it's just an overlapping thing it just kind of all bleeds into itself and uh what we really got to do is we got to try to wake people up to how they get it's not really the programming that's the problem is it's why are people so receptive to the programming in other words if you cut out the um if you cut out the poison then um you don't reach the um i can't really think of the right analogy right now but it's kind of like what is the what is the cause of these symptoms what is the root problem and that a lot of that stems from from lifestyle and diet yeah in other words if you can get people to not be so receptive to the programming they won't believe the lies if, if somebody is healthy and just morally grounded they're not going to fall for all this crap they're going to smell the bullshit a little bit easier well, yeah, and that's a major issue in our country, especially they and and the FDA is one of the biggest jokes out there because they do not look out for the people. They are just looking for a handout to get their approval. And if you look at some of the stuff that's allowed in our food compared to what is allowed in, in Great Britain or Russia, they wouldn't allow half the chemicals that they put in our food. And And I agree, it starts there and then you add in the television programming, you know, whether it's the inverted food pyramid or the, you know, programming that we get through commercials and advertisement that is totally upside down from reality that just leads people in the wrong direction. And they've been essentially told to trust the media, Mm -hmm. which no, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's obviously, that's the biggest problem is when somebody gets, the majority of their information, not from their own intuition, but from what these news reporters, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of um, Project uh, Mockingbird, where they all kind of get the same script, all these news stations all over the country, and they just repeat the same narrative. Yep. That's, that's, that's the problem. And, and, you know, and I know that people have been talking a lot about critical, um, critical thinking, you know, that used to be something that was, was really praised and taught in, in colleges. And it was like, oh, your critical thinking skills, your critical thinking. And they flipped it upside down to where too much critical thinking is bad. Yes. And that's, that's that to me, that's, that's, a, that's a red flag. That's an alarm. You know, that's a little ding, ding, ding. Like, hey, okay, they're literally telling you not to think too hard. Yeah. And there's, there's been articles in the, in the mainstream media about 
critical thinking being bad and it's it's bad for your health to do your own research it says don't do your own research which oh yeah that's the, yeah that's the other one you yeah, know don't <laughs> do mean, your, come let, on let, let the, the experts most... let the oh. experts it's yeah. like how do you become how do you become an expert if you don't do your like uh, you is your name get like picked out of a hat or something like i don't understand how this works it's like being an ancient astronaut theorist on ancient aliens right yeah you know, how do you get that title? I want to be an ancient astronaut theorist, but you know, yeah, what, what do you pull, have to just, do? To... Just pull things out of the air. Yeah, exactly. Right. You just give yourself, it's, it's your own self, you know, self-imposed moniker. Yeah, no, it's, it's really, it's, it's really um, alarming how soft people's minds have become. And you literally, you cannot, you can't communicate with them. I mean, so much has been going on behind the works. And it's just kind of gone unnoticed. And then it's been like uh, unleashed. And like when you said about the FDA, well, that's like with this whole pandemic thing. Like I knew it was bullshit when they weren't telling people to take zinc and vitamin D and get sun. Exercise. And exercise. Right? And I said, wait a minute. They're telling people they're, te- they're not telling anybody how to do anything. And this was like before the vaccine was available. You know, it was like, just wait for a vaccine. It's like, what about vitamin D? What about vitamin C? What about zinc? What about magnesium? What about calcium? What about exposing yourself a little bit to this thing so that you build up natural immunity so that when you go back into the world, you don't die from some other rhinovirus? Because that's all this thing is, you know, it's a rhinovirus. And that's why there's no vaccine. Why is there no vaccine for the common cold? Because you can't make a vaccine for a coronavirus. There's too many entry points. Yep. And that's their own science. That's their science. This isn't some quackery. I mean, you go and you look at the FDA website, you go and look at research papers from the New England Journal of Medicine, and they'll tell you this thing hasn't even been isolated. It hasn't even been isolated. Well, that's why you get a new variant every couple of weeks. Yeah, this is the don't pay attention to the Giseline, uh Maxwell trial variant. Yep. Yeah, it's it's funny how these these variants time right around key events that they want you it's like the ultimate magician you know they have you looking one way and sleight of hand yeah. or doing something the other way and then they then they and then they memory hold things i'm sure you're familiar with that phrase yes sir they memory hold the thing that happened in vegas with the uh the gambler yep you know with all the high powered uh you know uh firepower that he had in his, his motel room and then they you know oh we don't talk about that and then we saw with the the kid from kenosha and then he comes out and says, oh, I love Black Lives Matter. Yeah. You know, and it's like he's like the he's like the right wing. Uh, he's like the right wing uh, guy from the Florida, the David Hogg. Oh, geez. Yeah. Who is he's that? Like the right wing version of that. And then you see the guy mow all the people down in Wisconsin at the parade. And they go, oh, it was a car crash. His new bail is five mil. And then people tried to do a GoFundMe and GoFundMe actually shut it down. Which you know? is shocking. I, yeah. Honestly. And I called that too. I said, there's going to be a bunch of crazy, you know, people are going to like try to get him out. They're going to try to raise that money. So I was like scratching my head. Like, why is he even getting bail? He shouldn't be getting bail, but yeah. whatever. They're, they're constantly trying to pit everybody against each other. So they'll do this and then they'll do that. There's a third path. That's what your listeners have to understand. There's a third option, and that is your opinions and your convictions 
they can change every day. You do not have to keep going along with whatever the GOP says or the Democratic Party or the MAGA people or the QAnons. That's too rigid. You have to, to be a true individual. You have to wake up every day with a, with a new set of eyes. You have to say, okay, today's a new day. Let's see what's going on in the world. I might have to change my opinion based on some new information. You know, it's like Nietzsche said, there was this guy, this German guy named Frederick Nietzsche, he's a pretty famous philosopher, you know, and he said that convictions were a bigger enemy to the truth than lies. Because when somebody has convictions, it's really hard to get them to understand the truth, because those convictions will cloud their judgment, those convictions will keep them from accepting the truth. Whereas a lie, well, a lie can be disproven than somebody with you know, critical thinking can say, okay, well, a lie has been proven to be a lie and I'm a rational person. I'm not led by my convictions and I have a new opinion. You know, it's like my father, uh, he died in 2011, but he predicted a lot of stuff. I learned a lot of stuff from him. And one of the things he said is the truth does not need to be defended. A lie needs to be defended. The truth merely needs to be represented. Just needs to exist. Yeah. Exactly. A, a lie will die. If people stop telling a lie, it'll fucking disappear. But the truth, the truth is omnipresent. The truth doesn't need to be defended. It just needs to be represented. That's a great point right there. And, it, and it's so true because you get too many people nowadays that claim that they know things when in reality, mm -hmm. they don't know anything they've learned or they've heard. And I, I try and watch how, what I say now when I say that, because I, I in all honesty, I don't know a whole lot, <laughs> you know, as, as far mm -hmm. as a, a, a set fact that I, I would be willing to put my life on. I don't know that many. Um, but at the same time, I, I believe a lot of stuff based on what I've researched, based on what I've read, based on what I've seen and heard and, and, and in discussions with others. But there's a big difference between knowing and believing. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't understand that difference. And that's kind of where we are, where we are based on what you just said, because people get so set in their ways and then all of a sudden to bring something outside of their line of thinking, it, it'll either a destroy them because it'll just shatter their world it, or you'll get the other reaction where it's instant anger and rage because they don't even want to consider it. And, and what we need is somewhere in between where they can just sit on something, think about it and then say, okay, make your own assessment of it. But too many people want to be, on the right train, you know, they want to be mm -hmm. correct. They don't want to take the time to break it down and think on their own. And that's, that's something that we have to get back to. And, you mm -hmm. know, good old discussion, there's nothing better than a good old discussion back and forth well, and where you don't agree too. that's the best kind of. Well, I mean, I grew up with that because like I said, my father, he was an opinionated man and he had friends who you know, had opinions. And I grew up listening to him argue. And I grew up listening to him talk with other adults about adult things, about money, about politics, about religion, about all this. So that's why I was saying earlier in the conversation, this isn't really like a new thing to me. It's actually like, it's finally kind of paying off the way that I was raised and the way that I was socialized and the way that I grew up without the internet, 
you know, being in the palm of my hand and being around other people who like to talk, it was all kind of like leading up to this point where I would come on YouTube and Instagram and, and every other platform and say, Hey, I know some stuff too. Let's bounce some ideas off. And now we're having this podcast. I didn't know you before. Now I have no idea who you are, but here we are. We're finding common ground talking about these, these things that people are just turning on to. And they're like, Hey, I'm not crazy. These two guys are saying some stuff that I've been thinking about. And that's really the most important thing. That's why I agreed to do these podcasts is because I want people to understand that they're not insane, that they're not losing their marbles or anything. There's other people here. And I get that a lot in my comments on YouTube where people are like, I have nobody to talk to. I can't talk to my family about this. I can't talk to my wife about this. I can't talk. Everybody thinks I'm nuts. I have to watch these videos in secret, you know, and it's kind of heartbreaking to be honest, because men and women alike should be able to freely discuss anything. This isn't hurting anybody. We're not conspiring, you know? Yeah, that's, and we've reached a point where you can't even mention certain topics without, you know, people instantly blowing a fuse. And that's the scary thing is, you know, there's certain trigger words you say, and all of a sudden that any cognitive dissonance goes out the yeah. window. Well, that's, yeah, it's the other part of this big conditioning that's, that's going to lead to a sort of a reset. You know, we're going to talk about resets and, you know, the old world and all that stuff. Um, and like I said earlier, we're witnessing the beginning of a reset and it's the reset of the mind. Because people used to have, a, you know, I remember when, okay, it's not like sissies didn't exist a long time ago. So we had like sissies, eggheads, geeks, uh, shut-ins, basket cases. We had all these like derogatory names for people, but those people were the kinds of people who, I'm sorry to say it. Hey, it's just, it's just the way that the world works. Their opinions were not heard because they were nagging. They were disconcerting. They were, um, you know. Uh, can you turn the music down? You know, it's like, well, why don't you leave the party? Oh, uh, like people were like picked on. Okay. Well, now these people have a voice. These people have a platform. It's called Twitter. Yep. It's called Tumblr. It's called Reddit. It's called Instagram. It's called Facebook. It's a called lot of betas, media. right? That never had a voice. Now all of a sudden they got this whole army behind them. And they think that they're so powerful, but they're just their little... They're little insignificant people, but they found this community. They found their tribe and they're just a bunch of namby pamby. You know, they're the kinds of people that got stuffed in the lockers or they got wedgies or whatever. And they kind of went dormant for a while in the early 2000s. Like people my age would have graduated in the early 2000s from high school. And then they kind of just went into their little, you know, thing. And now they're reemerging in their late 20s early thirties, early forties. And they're like, I'm on the right side of science and I trust, you know, science. And I, and, you know, and and they're like the biggest problem. And it was such a better world when those people were called shut-ins and they were like, I know it sounds mean. I know this sounds like cruel, but it's just the way it is. And, you know, it was like, you had to have some teeth behind what you were saying. So I remember like when this whole social media thing started and people started trying to, get in arguments online and I knew damn well that they were the types of people that if you were in the same room with them, they would keep their mouth shut. They would not speak up because they'd be afraid. See, if you can't go to a bar or a party or whatever and speak your mind, then you're like, you know, you like, I always had to back, I would go to parties and I had to back up what I was saying. 
because not everybody wanted to hear it. Yep. Now you just go on the internet and you go on this and it's cancel culture thing. Forget about it, man. That wasn't a reality. Like they, they take that for granted. Now they have found a way to, to leverage their opinion over what's, and it doesn't matter if what they're fighting is actually true or correct or right. They just simply go, well, we'll just say that you are bad and then we'll dox you and we'll find out where you live and then we'll send you death threats. And it's just this whole, like, really just snaky way of doing things. Well, and it's it's filtered out into all facets of society now, which is not good, obviously, but you're seeing no. it in every level. It's those it seems like all of a sudden those people now have control. And they're the ones making the rules and Mm -hmm. it's like revenge. You know, you look at a lot of the movies, you know, especially the rom-coms or comedy movies from the Mm -hmm. mid two thousands. And it's always the nerds that are, you Mm -hmm. know, they, they're, they become the heroes in the movie and they get the hot girl and it's not realistic, but that's how they wanted to portray it. It's almost, it's a coping, it's a coping mechanism. Yeah. And that's the thing, and you brought that up, and I'm glad that you brought that up because it's a good segue into my next point, which is that these people are not in control. And I think you'll agree with me that these people, it's a false position of power because we know that there's the puppet masters, you know, and they're just playing a role. Like, you look at, like, Zuckerberg, you know, from Facebook. His name's, like, Mark Mark Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg, right? Yep. The guy's got like a billion dollars or something, supposedly, right? Like he's like a billionaire. Or he's always going to be a manlet. He's always going to be a beta dude. There's no money in the world that can fix that. He's always going to look goofy and act goofy. And his whole like thing is like goofy. And I would rather be who I am than be that dude. Well, you, have not free, you have free will. He has no free will anymore. He sold that soul. Well, he's got he's got no free will, and he looks like a like a dweeb. Like he looks like he, you know, it's like the types of guys you would just go, I, oh, you know, don't worry about him. He's nothing, you know. And now he's got all this money, and that that's like his, you know, that's his trade off or whatever. But it's not. I mean, look at Bill Gates. It's I was gonna say Gates, Bezos. They're all the same. Yeah, you know, it's like Bezos was selling books. I remember when Amazon only sold books. Yep. Like I remember Amazon.com and his books. It wasn't this con- mega conglomerate, you know, power ha- like thing that it is now. It's insane. And um, you know, he took an opportunity to get in and then he got backed by people. It's just same with the Facebook guy. The CIA had a plan called LifeLink or Life something, and it was going to be the social the day that they ended that program was the day that Facebook was incorporated. They got this huge rush of funds and they changed the name. But the CIA had a plan to create a social media platform to keep track of everybody. And then somewhere along the way, they got uh, connected with Zuckerberg over there in Boston. And he said, oh, I have this thing. It's called Facebook. And they were like, "Okay, fine. And you can look this up. I'm not I'm not an expert on the subject, but there is um, a lot of proof. If you look up CIA Facebook connection and they had this plan, they're ready to launch it. And for some reason, they pulled the plug on it. But the day that they pulled the plug on that program, I think it was called LifeLink or yeah, Life I think it was called Life, Life. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was LifeLog. And it was, yeah, they pulled the plug on it. I think it was like April 4th. And then that same day, Facebook was started up by Zuckerberg. Yeah. Yep. You know? Yeah, you so can't make it up. Was, yeah. And it, it's not a big deal or anything. And, you know, obviously I use Instagram, which is owned by Facebook. And it's like, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, there was people who didn't want to talk on telephones back when telephones became a thing. They're like, I don't talk on telephones. And it's like, it's, it's become a tool. You got to use it. I mean, we're using Zoom right now. Yep. You know, what happened to Skype? It's like Skype just disappeared, you know? There's a but few, the there's is, a few stragglers. That's about it. Mm-hmm. The truth is, is like, we could be um, doing it a different way, but it would just be harder. You know, like we could um, have like a private URL and I have my webcam and, you know, we could do it like through some secure network on the, you know, uh, the dark net. I mean, it's just easier. And, you know, I got nothing to hide. Yeah. I'm at that That's point my- where, listen, they, they, if they want it on you, they're going to find it anyway, because you carry around a surveillance device all day long with you. So, yeah. I mean, at this point, if you think there's any security left whatsoever, whether it's from your a data standpoint or a audio security standpoint, forget about it. Unless you have no electronics in your house, everything is some sort of, I mean, the camera on your televisions supposedly yeah. can watch, you know, when the yeah. TV. Goes and, you know, it's just like, hey, you want to, you know, whatever, man, that's your, you want to be a pervert, like be a pervert. I, I mean, I, I, I don't have time to worry about that crap. I got. Yep. You know, if that's what keeps me from doing a podcast, then who really? Yeah. And and I've always said that myself. I'm like, I am such a small fish in this thing. And and honestly, what are you saying? That's so out there. You know, that's the thing. That's what I laugh at, because even even some of my buddies that have podcasts that they get into some dark subjects. I'm like, honestly, though, who really hears us? If if you're you're not one of those people that's big enough where they're they're even going to consider dealing with anything or even you're not even on the radar so yeah yeah and, no, and no, how how much can they really surveil too because if you think about it i mean think about all the data that's going on constantly there is you know they're they're going to catch things here and there but most everything goes right through like a sieve oh no yeah you got to kind of be on the radar already for them to kind of pay attention to it. and like i said i'm not worried about it and that's the thing is you know people can be holdouts and all that kind of stuff like and then it gets to a point where you can't function and then you say well you got to use you got to use it against them in a a way or you you can't let them keep you from from communicating that's why i was saying the whole thing is if i was like if i just had all these thoughts and i was just doing all this research on my own and it was actually my wife who told me said don't don't just keep it to yourself that's kind of weird you know like if people can benefit from this, embrace it, put it out there, you know, make it funny with the memes, you know, do this, do that. I mean, I got t-shirts, I got, um, you know, I got all kinds of products and it's like, people are going to want to support people who are speaking the same language, you know? Yeah. And like you said before, the other thing is that reassurance that, you know, no matter how many people call you crazy, there's other people out there that, that think alike you know and have come and hear the same thing you do and you just have to kind of pull up your big boy pants and say hey man 
you can think what you think. I think what I think it is what it is. And, mm-hmm. and don't take offense to it just because, and that's one thing that I, I, I try to illustrate to people over and over again is just because someone doesn't agree with you. A, it doesn't mean that you're wrong and B it doesn't matter in general. It's their opinion. So for, for you to take it in a negative sense to yourself, you're doing yourself a disservice. So yeah. it's just and someone else's opinion. Absolutely. And my whole, uh, my new thing is, and I, I just thought of this on a few weeks ago, a month or so ago is when somebody challenges me and says that I'm wrong about this or I'm wrong. about this, I say, look, I got more evidence. I have more concrete evidence that I'm right than you do. Because what you do is you just say a bunch of buzzwords that you heard on the news or the mainstream internet or whatever, because we're at that point now where we can't just say the internet. We have two different internets. We have our internet, like the internet that you and I travel in. And then there's the mainstream internet, like Netflix and you know mainstream YouTube accounts and the so parrot, on and so forth. The parrot one, yep. Yeah. But I have more evidence to suggest that I'm correct in my assumption than you have evidence that you're correct in your assumptions because your evidence isn't really your evidence. It's just you're just parroting headlines. You're just parroting data that's been purposely skewed by manipulators. Like I can say, look, here's the data for the, you know, for the Wu flu or the, the, the Wuhan wiggle, whatever you want to call it, the coronavirus. Where's your proof? And then they go, well, uh, the case numbers, who cares? Yep. Is, is there de- Hey, look, I knew this thing was a bunch of nonsense when I didn't see dead bodies everywhere. Like they were showing us the propaganda coming from China. Yeah, nobody dropped in the street over here. I thought I was going to be hearing ambulances all day and all night. I thought I was going to start seeing people dropping dead at the grocery store. Although one thing that's scary nowadays is you're starting to see that. Well, where do you think that's from? Right. No, no, exactly. Right. You're starting to see that. And it almost makes you think, were they were they subjected to it, too? Where did they get injected? And then was that? you know, a, a side effect of it. And were they, all I know, yeah, all I know is there's a lot of people in their twenties and thirties that have canes now. And that's something that people have been documenting and, and trying to uh, keep track of is why is there all these young people that have canes a hun- and 108. I saw the report today, 108 uh, players in FIFA mm-hmm. have suffered cardiac issues since taking it yeah i saw that there was a soccer player dropped dead yep during practice or something like that there was a cyclist there was a um and think about that these are healthy people who exercise mm-hmm. regularly right this is yeah. we're not talking about the people who died from covid which were for the majority 80 plus and had if not had multiple comorbidities we're talking about these are healthy people who would have survived and thrived aside from that right they had oh, yeah, a, absolutely. a point a point oh three percent chance of of dying from it and oh. yeah no i mean it's spooky man because i remember the whole thing i remember when it was the, the the wuhan mystery illness back in november 2019 because i watched a lot of international news and i saw like there was little murmurings of it and stuff and i said eh. and we'll see where this and then it just it's just become this thing now and like 
I can't live in that world. Like I, you know, I know, I know people that got like these little baseball cards and it says like that they can go into places, even though they haven't got the shot, you know, they got like little like pieces of paper. Yeah. And I go, I, I go, you got the shot and they go, um, eh, maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. And I go, oh, okay, you're playing, you're, you're collecting baseball cards. Like you got like a little baseball card and yep. they think they're getting one over on people. I said, you're playing the game, man. Yeah. Get rid of that thing. That, that shit's just going to get you in trouble. You know, like just be a man and say, Hey, I'm here to get like, don't even go to place. Like just, just, just don't participate. You know, they go, well, I have to, uh, I got to go see my favorite rock band. I say, you got to go see your favorite rock band. You know, like, that, how, you know, how many concerts did you go to? You went to like thousands, like just take a break, you know? Well, yeah. And, and that rock band cares so much about you that they're going to force you to take something that you might yeah. not want to take normally just to come see them perform. You know, it's yeah. And I got that from my my mother-in-law because she got it uh, right off the bat or my ex-mother-in-law, I should say. And uh, she got it right off the bat. And I asked her, I said, why did you rush to get it? Oh, well, I want to travel. I want to be able to travel. I'm like, well, you're not going to be, you're not going to be able to travel if you're not alive. Like you don't know <laughs> what you just put in yourself. And that's the, that's the thing that gets me is some people are just so blind to it that they just, they did it with no rational thinking whatsoever. No afterthought, just got in line and did it because they didn't want to lose their privileges. They were told that this is how they go back to normal, right? Yep. How the hell, how the hell do you go back to normal by doing abnormal things? Yeah. Well, and, and when ever in the history of our government have we done something that they said was temporary and they end up pulling it back? I mean, I'm mm-hmm. still t- I still have to take off my shoes at the airport, and that's 20 years ago. And mm-hmm. that, was, that was supposed to be a temporary thing. So... I mean, it's just, it, it, it's so ridiculous. And, and that's what sparked my interest so much in this old world in the 1800s was you start seeing kind of similar things. You start seeing narratives being uh, formed and certain characters in history given mm-hmm. attributes that it's not probably not even really possible you know, and, no. and one of the things that got me was when I found out that Abner Doubleday, who was a Civil War general, was credited with fa- finding, uh, you know, founding baseball. And he had really nothing to do with it at all. It's mm-hmm. just that he was a Freemason general and they wanted to tie his name to it. So, <laughs> you know, it's like all these things. And then you start looking into other things. And, you know, I got into the World's Fairs and it just... It, it just kind of snowballs on you. And, and the interesting thing I found was you go into world's fair, which leads you into the next thing, which leads you into the next where I, you know, I started looking into things like crystal palaces, which I had mm-hmm. never heard about or uh, star forts were another one, which I had never heard about before, which all these things you're like, these are pretty significant things in history that were just overlooked and never even mm-hmm. thought about. No, exactly. And that's the thing is, you know, if you can get people to not even question things that happened in the 1800s, things that are like mainstream, I mean, at this point, it's not like settled, but you know, it's, it's pretty much settled. And now it's just coming out like what really happened with marijuana, 
and how Hearst made that movie uh, Reefer Madness, and because he had stock in old growth, you know, trees that were going to be used for paper, and you want hemp to be the new standard for for paper, especially for you know uh, cheaper you know paper like pulp paper, because he had these pulp farms where they were using old old growth redwoods, and you know, and it was like he owned the paper, he owned the Chronicle. So he could, uh, the San Francisco Chronicle, so he could um, put out all these hit pieces on weed, you know, and say, like, let's do this. So what I'm trying to say is, is if you can get people to believe what, Rand, what William Randolph Hearst tells you about marijuana and hemp, then how are you going to get people to believe in Tartaria? Yep. I mean, it's such a breakthrough like <clears throat> thing. Like, you can get people to believe in aliens. You can get people to believe that 9-11 was an inside job. You can get people to believe in ghosts and goblins. But when you start saying, hey, maybe the Mongolians built the Great Wall of China to keep China out. And why is it that, you know, when Alexander the Great went to China, he didn't, you know, see the Great Wall. It was supposed to be there. According to the official story, the Great Wall of China was there when Alexander the Great went to Asia. You think he would say something about that, right? So then you get to the theory that the Great Wall of China didn't really actually start to appear on maps until the 1700s. Yep. What's up with that? How come when we look at old maps, Tartaria is like this huge kingdom and there's little drawings, there's little you know cities and these things have like things that look like skyscrapers. You know, go and look at the old maps of Tartaria and you'll see like there's these weird cities that don't exist anymore. Yeah, out in like Eastern Russia, right? Yeah, Eastern Russia, Eastern Europe. Um, well, I guess it would technically be Western Russia. I mean, it's the same thing, Eastern Europe, Western Russia. Yeah. Um, and the people of those, those, they're still there. And they dress like the people who are depicted in old drawings of being Tartarians. And they have these elaborate headdresses and the women, they look Slavic. They have blue eyes. They have blonde hair. They have brown hair. They have all of complete. They're actually kind of a diverse people, but they, they call themselves Tartarians. And some of them are in Northern Russia. Some of them are in Uzbekistan. Some of them are in Kyrgyzstan. I did a whole video about Kyrgyzstan and, you know, um, and then we talk about the Native Americans. Well, some of these Native Americans we know came over the Bering Strait over the land bridge. Yep. And these people are not Mesoamericans. See, the Inca and the Mayans, you know, people go, well, what happened to the Incas? And what happened to the Mayans? They just disappeared. No, they didn't disappear. They migrated north and became Mesoamericans. And then they went even further north and got into what's now the United States of America. And they bred with the people who came over the land bridge there is no native people. They say, oh, well, you know, the Europeans invaded, you know, and they, they're the immigrants and they should go back to Europe. And but, well, then the Native Americans have to go back to Asia. See, there's no way to prove who was on this continent first, is what I'm trying to say. And we go back and forth and back and forth and we find skeletons, we find evidence, we find fossilized humans' remains that predate the Native American story by 15,000 years. And these skeletons are six feet tall and they're Europeans and they're not Vikings. It's before that. I mean, we're talking about 
I mean, honestly, we're talking about Bronze Age. Yep. In North Carolina, in Washington. And then you know what happens? The Native Americans put it back in the earth. Don't study it. I watched a whole documentary about it. They, you guys are saying that it's 30,000 years old. That scares us. Put it back in the earth. And there's been this huge controversy about being able to study the skeleton of Europe because it says it because it it postulates that Europeans were in North America in the Bronze Age. Yeah, and, and the Smithsonian that that's a whole nother rabbit hole in itself, you know, that we yeah. could go down a whole show on the Smithsonian and all the destruction and lies and cover ups mm-hmm. they performed. Yeah, and we want to get into what's in the Vatican archives. You know, yeah, that's a that, you get into the Vatican and the Smithsonian and we would have a lot of answers. Yeah. And, and you know, they, and there's... They, they are the ultimate, you know, hiders of truth, hiders of knowledge. And, uh, you know, hopefully someday we can get a little access to it. You know, I yeah. mean, that would be nice. <clears throat> you know, people say like, oh, well, like, well, how come you can't prove? Tartaria and how come you can't prove all this old world reset and all this uh, antiquitech and all this stuff same reason we can't get a car to run off of water same reason we can't get uh you know free electricity same reason we can't find how to go back to the moon you know that's that's the other thing is oh well if we went to the moon in 1969 you know how come we can't go back Oh, we lost the technology. We we destroyed all the technology and it's too hard to rebuild. And then somebody said, okay, well, look, I can, I can put this uh, moon landing hoax thing to, to rest. I just need the original film. Uh, we lost that too. Yep. We only have VHS tra- uh, transfers. Was, no, I don't need the VHS transfers. I need the negatives. I need the, the very original, the, the one that was on the moon. And I'll prove it because I'll be able to tell because the radiation levels in the film will match up with going through the Van Allen belt and coming back. Yeah. And that's, you know, the, that's the amazing thing. It not only had to go through the Van Allen belt, but it also had to come back. So exactly. Yeah. And, this and story. And, and then, then to have president Nixon call the moon on a landline, like, come on guys. Oh, then it was broadcasted live, you know, to everybody's home and there was no yep. delay. Yeah. And they go, well, there was a delay and they, and I said, well, how did you guys fix the delay in real time in 1969? Yeah, yeah, it's there's just too many. There's too many holes in that story, and 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 yet you have a generation that still thrives on it. No, I get it. I mean, I I totally see that it was an ends justify the means thing because the Russians and the space race, and I get like why they did it to instill some hope and some patriotism. That's cool. But can we, like, admit that that's what happened, like, once everybody's dead? No, because if they get caught in that lie, then they'll start questioning everything else. I mean, the thing is, is, like, you've got to keep the lie going, and then you use that momentum to create a new lie, and so on and so forth. And then you can just keep building lies upon lies upon lies. Yep. And you know how it is, man. Like, when you were a kid or something, you, and then you got to make up another lie to cover up the other one. And then eh, otherwise you'll get, you know, spanked or something, or you get your toys taken away. It's the same concept. If the ruling elite of the Western world or the, you know, whatever you want to call them, if they just like, like, Oh yeah, well, yeah like, yeah. You, you know, all those, all those guys that you thought were crazy. Yeah. They were kind of right the whole time. 
and all that evidence was like real and you know, we're sorry. That's it. Game over. Yep. Because it's then they'll never get the trust back. Yeah. And it's like mainstream media, right? If they were to admit that they lied about anything, which they've lied about almost everything, mm -hmm. you know, what's to say that they haven't lied about all the wars they've covered and all the other things that they've fudged and been caught fixing. So yeah, we're in, we're, we are in an era. And, and I think that's part of the reset is, is that they need to use deception to get us there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, by misleading us and giving a lot of false information and double speak, it, it, it adds to confusion. And when you're confused, people tend to get scared. And when they're scared, they tend to be lower and, and lower frequency and more receptive to, uh, to that savior. Someone else is going to help them or save them. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. that person is not out there. No, exactly. And, you know, you want to talk about, like, uh, resetting history and changing the narrative and all that stuff. I'll give you and your listeners an example of how it can be pulled off because it's being perpetrated right now as we speak in North Korea. See, in North Korea, they tell the people all kinds of outrageous lies about the architecture. I mean, according to North Korea, what they tell the, the citizens of North Korea is that they've been to the moon. They've been to Mars. They invented pizza. All the buildings, you know, in their country were erected because of the strength of the People's Republic of North Korea. See, North Koreans think all kinds of crazy things, things that you and I both know are complete nonsense. Yeah. Because Kim Jong-un tells his citizens and they blindly believe because they know that if they question, they'll get killed. Now, we don't have to go to that extent because we have the media and we have, you know, talking heads and we have people who can repeat things. So when you say like, oh, well, I don't believe that these buildings are as old as you say they are. I think that people built these with their own bare hands and horses and wooden carts and all this stuff. And you, you guys are crazy. And there's no such thing as Roman cement. And we're not losing because the other theory is that we're off by 700 years. That 700 years of our history is missing. And that's why there was no churches built between 300 uh, AD and 900 AD. Whereas 200, no, 200 AD to 900 AD, there's this missing gap of like no churches were built, no um, palaces, no anything. And then there was this shift. And they look at the architecture and they go, oh, well, that was revivalism. They go, was it revivalism or is there 700 years missing? And that's why buildings that were supposedly built in the second century were revised in the ninth century. It's because there's 700 years missing. Yeah, I've seen I've seen multiple variations of that. Some say it was basically 300 years from 600 to 900. Some say mm -hmm. it was a thousand years. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a whole nother rabbit hole in itself is the timeline. Mm -hmm. And, and who, you know, again, look at who created the timeline, who created the calendar, who created the globe. It's well, that's, that's the thing with the calendar is we have to admit that at the very least, we are not on the right timeline because when we went, from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar in the Western world, we definitely lost some time there. I mean, there was riots about it. You know, people actually realized that they were off 
And then it was like a commutative effect. Every year we got a little bit more off. So what I've heard is that we are just now in the 1800s. Which makes sense. I mean, it the only side, the only other thing of that is it throws off all of the zodiac information, right? Where we're supposedly going through the age of Aquarius right now. And if we're only in the 1800s, then we're not there yet. Exactly. But I'm glad that you brought up the, um, the astrology aspect of it, because this is something I've been kicking around a lot lately, because I heard from uh, this guy who's on, well, he used to be on YouTube. I think he got kicked off, but um, he's on some other platforms uh, called Live of the Cosmos. And he brings up the fact that we are still in the Tropic of Cancer and Capricorn. But all the other tropics exist. But due to the, uh, according to the uh, procession of the equinoxes, every 3,200 years, we're supposed to go into a different tropic. And then we actually get into a biblical, um, we get into a biblical perspective of it. And then we say, okay, so in the Old Testament, when Moses went into the temple and he told them to stop worshiping the golden calves, what age were they in? They, well, they were in the age of Taurus, which was the bull. And he was trying to say, hey, look, we got to start blowing the ram's horn because we're in Aries now. We're in the age of Aries. So that's why Jews still ceremonially blow on the, the ram's horn on Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah, you know, their high holidays. Then Jesus came into the scene, right? And he's represented as a fish, right? You know, we say like, oh, the Jesus fish and all that. And then there's a quote in the Bible where he says, and I will be with you until the end of time. Well, that's mistranslated. It was what he really said. It was, I will be with you till the end of this age. And then go forth into the house of the water bearer. So now, why would he Pisces say Pisces to Aquarius. Exactly. Now, why would Jesus be talking about the house of the water bearer? And it coincidentally happens to be that he's Pisces. And then the next one is aquarius yep now the problem with mainstream science is is when you look up at the sky the stars have changed therefore someone who was born say a capricorn or a libra or some other you know sign of the zodiac it wouldn't match up with 3200 years or beyond because the stars have actually shifted so we're not born because we're still stuck in the tropic of cancer and the tropic of capricorn we should be in a different tropic and then that, then you go into the whole flat earth versus the globe earth, you know, theory. And then what they're trying to hold off with all this, you know, we got to stop global warming. We got to stop global. What they're trying to do is they're trying to prevent the ice caps from melting. Not because, you know, the sea levels are up, because it will show the lost continents. That's the problem. If the yeah. ice wall melts and then we see the continents beyond this, like there's some people who have, you know, put forth some, pretty compelling evidence that we're in a crater we're stuck and that the earth is a lot bigger and then it's it's encapsulated in ice and the reason that they want to stop global warming it wouldn't you know look here's a, here's the thing if the temperature went up a few degrees it is not going to wipe us out it just isn't that's not how it works we nope. could handle that yep it happens it's happened throughout history we had a mini ice age in the 1800s. This is their science. You can study the ice core, whatever. And there's documents about it. that's That's how Frankenstein got written by Mary Shelley. You realize that? Like she was a writer. 
And these every summer in 1896, that was the year without a summer, it was the, the peak of the mini ice age. Every summer, her and some other writers, her husband and some of their friends used to go to this retreat and actually take a break from writing. Now in 1896, the year without a summer, the weather was unseasonably cold and rainy. So they decided to stay in. And they said, ooh, fancy this. Let's write a horror story. So Mary Shelley said, okay, let's write a horror story. So she came up with the story of Dr. Frankenstein. So Dr. Frankenstein and everything that it spawned would not have happened if we didn't have a mini ice age. It's why the River Thames froze over and there's paintings and there's writings documenting that. It's why beer became more popular than wine because all the grapes froze and the only thing they could make alcohol out of was barley and wheat. And then so the, the, the beer culture exploded. It's why a lot of things happen. You can look into it. Mini Ice Age, 18 uh, something to uh, 18. I forget exactly the time, but this has happened before. Yeah, and, and it's interesting had- you mentioned that because Ireland had a great freeze in 1739, I think, mm-hmm. and it lasted like two years. It went into the 40s, mm-hmm. and they had the same thing. It was a great freeze and famine that that rip through ireland for a good two-year period yeah yeah and as far as the mud flood thing goes there's proof of that too and that ties in with the whole thing in 1812 uh, there was the new meridian fault line which is like a little east of the mississippi river and there's usually not a lot of earthquakes there but in 1812 through 1814 some people say till 1816 there was a series of very large seismic activity and it caused crustal displacement and it caused the cities to get buried in mud. And then we get to the thing about the, um, the old, the old cities and all that stuff. And like I was saying earlier in the conversation, you see pictures of them shoveling mud. Yeah. It sounds like almost liquefaction, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that's that new, new Madrid earthquake that struck and it, Interestingly enough, around that same time is what they called in in North America Tecumseh's Comet or Napoleon's Comet over in Europe. And Mm -hmm. this comet supposedly, you know, circled around for months up there. And uh, and then after disappearing, we had this huge earthquake. It's it's one of those things that just doesn't again, just doesn't add up. And and you look at the the story of the earthquake and. Yeah, it looks like it did damage, but they don't tell you the full extent of the story of it. Um, it's just kind of an o- it's an oversight. Oh yeah, and the, and the history of Pompeii has changed. That it happened in seventy nine AD, and then there was no record of Pompeii existing. And when they found we discovered Pompeii after the disaster, and then you go and you look, and there's maps and it shows Pompeii it's right there it's written in there and these are from the 1700s but guess what there's no record of it before the 1700s but they take it a step further and they say oh no we didn't know about Pompeii until we discovered it in I don't know when the official story that they you know dug up Pompeii but the point is is that you go to other cities around the area and there is records of Pompeii existing. The problem is, is that it didn't get destroyed in 79 AD. 
that it was thriving in the 1700s. Why did they make up this story about Pompeii? Doesn't matter. The bigger question is, is why is there evidence to suggest that they did? See, I don't care why they did it. I want to know why they covered it up. Yes. Yes. I don't care how it happened. It, maybe it was a volcano, but maybe that volcano went off in the 1800s, not 79 AD. But the whole thing's blown out of the water. And you look at the maps, and these maps can be authenticated. And they go, oh, um, well, I guess we made a mistake. I guess uh, people did know about Pompeii. It's like, well, of course they did. But there's no record of it existing in 79 AD when you guys supposedly say that, that Mount Vesuvius erupted. So then they're just, and then it's just, it, it just, it always fizzles out because it's not that big of a deal. Cause you know what? People got a mortgage payment. People got, you know, uh, they got their job to go to. They got like things that they need to like, and you can't get people like, well, what do I care if they lied about Pompeii? Yep. Yeah. They're you more know? interested in the latest Netflix series than exactly why, why they've been lied to and deceived their whole lives. Yeah. So then we get into this, you know, issue of like, okay, well, what do you do with your free time? Well, what you do with your free time is none of my business, just as much as what I do with my free time is none of your, and, you know, we can just agree that we're into different things. If it, if, if it only were that simple, you know, I wish <laughs> yeah. things these days, it's like everybody, what I do in my free time matters to somebody else. Now, all of a sudden it's like, no, 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 no. No, we're still allowed to do our own thing. And yeah, oh. it's because it makes it makes them uncomfortable because they feel like, well, what am I missing out on? Why is this guy so interested in this? And then they get like they get like really confused and frustrated when they can't understand something. Like you can understand what they're into. Like their bread and circuses is it's pretty like surface level. It's pretty easy to understand. Like, oh, you like watching people you know, play the sports ball, you like the scripted TV shows, you like the Marvel movies, you know, whatever. You tell them that you're into like X, Y, Z. And then they're like, you get that like fluoride stare, Yeah, you know? And they're like, <laughs> what am I missing? Like, why is he so into Like, and then it's kind of like the gorilla in the cage, you know, he gets like frustrated that he can't express himself, you know? And they get like, caught up in these um like well he must be weird and and you know like oh man you know like what's his problem you know like how come he's not like me you know and you see that with uh with like drug people you know they don't want to hang around sober people because they're no use to them you know so what is a guy who is infatuated with mainstream indoctrination culture going to want to spend time with a guy like you or me we're not going to jive. It's not going to like, they're not going to get anything out of it. They can't, you know, bounce sports statistics off of you. You know, they can't ask you like what you're into. Like you got an Atlanta Braves hat on, you know, is that Atlanta Braves uh, baseball hat you got on? It's uh, Alabama. Alabama. See, see how much I know. It's hey, honestly, it's the same logo. I think uh, in yeah. all honesty, I, I think they share the same scripted a. Yeah. So a guy comes up to you and he thinks, oh, this guy, he knows about, you know, and then, and then that goes away. And then you're like, you start getting into like, some, you know, what you talk about on your podcast. And then they're like, oh, you're one of those guys. Oh man. All right. No, get away from me. You're going to get me sick. You're unvaccinated. Ah, yep. you know, 
Well, it doesn't, even, it doesn't even have to go that far nowadays. All I have to do is tell someone I have a podcast and it's like, oh, you're one of those people. It's like, OK, uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. You know, and it, it's like when I watch YouTube sometimes and I'm watching certain streamers, you know, there's certain people that talk about heavy stuff despite, you know, getting, you know, you know, kicked off the platform or whatever. They start to get like scrambled. It's like the algorithm starts to like throttle their YouTube channel if they're live streaming. And it reminds me, I don't know if you ever seen that movie, They Live. Yes. You remember the guys like trying to break through the, the TV, trying to wake people up. He's like talking through the TV and there's all that static because they're operating out of that church building. Yep. It's like that now because I'm watching people stream and they start talking about certain things that they're not supposed to talk about. And they literally, they get throttled. Yep. And they start getting all like pixelated and all that. It's like they're, they're breaking, they're trying to break through the signal. Well, and there's people that have had, uh, you know, believe that their internet's being messed with too, when they're doing this stuff. So uh, I know a couple of big, bigger podcasters that have said on multiple occasions that they feel like their home and office locations are both kind of monitored and throttled and messed with because there's certain times of the day, they'll have no internet service. They go to their next door neighbor's house and they have full service, no issue whatsoever. No, I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely something to that. And uh, you know, it's, it's going to, we're going to get to a point and this is another reason why I'm trying to utilize these platforms uh, while I can is because, you know, I think what's going to ha- start happening is, yeah, they're kicking people off of Twitter and they're kicking people off of Instagram, but they're going to start kicking people off that like the content that those accounts created. In other words, they're going to start marking people like, Oh, you liked that guy's photos a lot. We kicked that guy off the platform. So we should kick you off the platform preemptively just for liking that guy's content. Well, and you're seeing that on Instagram already. Uh, that that's really taking place already because you'll get you'll get dinged for sharing things and not even know about it. And mm-hmm. then they put this late. The newest thing is the label that they put on your account. So when someone goes to follow you, there's a warning that says, you know, do you really want to follow this person? They've either, mm-hmm. you know, they've been sharing a lot of misinformation lately. And it's like, yeah, wait a second. you know, who's, who's, the, you know, the, now the, the bearer of truth these days. Well, exactly. And that's how I, I know we keep going off and on. And it's, this has happened with the other podcasters I've been, but that's the way that the, that's the nature of this thing is that the old world, why is the old world research connected with the present day um, mass surveillance and mass censorship, because it's, it's interwoven in the sense that the people who are interested in researching the old world are also very interested in where the present world is going. So there's a lot of overlay. Like a lot of the accounts that follow me on Instagram, they don't post any content about the old world. They are posting content about the the current world but they have an interest in this old world business because they see the connection they see like oh well if there was a reset a hundred years ago they must have been using the same kind of tactics and i'll tell you what kind of tactics they were using it would be like if you went to the library and they said do you really want to check this book out yep we can't get rid of it yet 
because, you know, freedom of the press and all. But do you really want to buy this book or do you really want to borrow this book? Like, and or, then, or they don't even have the book for you to to borrow. Well, exactly. That's how it's but how it starts is. Right. You know, we're not going to take it away from you, but we're going to say, like, oh, you know, like I remember like um, like raw milk you used to be able to get raw milk, but it had skull and bones on it saying warning this is unpasteurized milk are you sure you want to like but we're not going to prevent you from drinking raw milk but we're going to strongly remind you that you could get sick from this do you know what i mean yep well what happens when that's when that's vitamin d you know like codex alimentarius which is the 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 belief that they're going to start making uh vitamins prescription only in other words you have to get a prescription to get vitamin c Yep. What's up with that? Well, because then you have to have health insurance and then you'll have to, you know, get shots to have your health. I mean, we're talking about medical tyranny, you know? Yeah. That's the direction it's headed and we're well down it. That's for sure. And, and, and that it's not only medical tyranny, it's, it's, it's political tyranny too. I mean, to have to get, permits to do everything in our lives is not how this country was designed it's it's gotten out of control and uh and you know we just gotta keep keep our head afloat so that we can you know keep each other in the in the loop and 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 stay together as much as possible because we are spread out at this point and uh, I, I love the fact that we're able to connect on social media and connect through these podcasts and, mm-hmm. and through our work on YouTube. And, I, you know, I really I, I respect the work that you do on YouTube. It's great. And it's a very effective means of communication and getting the point across um, in a very succinct manner. You know, I mean, your videos are 10 to 15 minutes for the most part and has a mountain of of information in it and and that's a very effective medium and i think it you know nowadays especially with the the amount of information that's out there i think it's so uh important to be able to present things like that and and once you started adding the narrative to your videos it went to a whole nother level and those things are are very informative videos i i really appreciate those yeah and i no and i appreciate i appreciate what you're saying but the thing is is people can pause those those videos and they can they can zoom in and they can look uh for themselves and i try to put as much information as i can about it and that's where we see the problem is is you know we there was so much evidence of a cover-up that they couldn't cover up all the evidence so what they tried to do is they just kind of try to distract you away from the old world and like oh that was a long time ago you know don't worry about it and then what you have to do to gain the knowledge if you didn't have youtube is you would have to go to a university and you'd have to pay tens of thousands of dollars and to try to pursue a master's degree or a phd in ancient civilization history, in anthropology, and then you'd be able to see the things that you can just go on YouTube and watch. Yep. You know, there was a video by that guy I was telling you about who got me into this whole uh, Tartaria mud flood thing was uh, the John Levi channel on YouTube. And he had a video recently, one of his newest videos, where he talked about um, 
this Italian sculptor, I forget his name right now, unfortunately, but he's like one of the most prevalent, or he was one of the most prevalent sculptors in the 15th century or something like that. And he did all these like fountains and all these huge, a lot of, he did that famous uh, statue with the woman with a veil. And it's kind of like a mystery. Like how did he make the stone look like a yeah, veil? It looks, it looks like it's 3d printed essentially. Yeah. But the thing that he showed on that, on that episode, on one of his uh, videos was he showed this uh, sculpture that the guy did where it's a man in a net. All right. And it's like the guy's like in a net, like a fishing net. But the fishing net is made out of marble, but it looks like it's like it's got like little bends in it and the knots like and it's like, how did he carve a net out of stone? And we don't hear about this is like one of the like you talk about sculptures, right? You know, you talk about like the amount of detail, the amount of hours it must have taken to make this thing. And then we don't see it. I didn't I had never seen it. And I've studied art history and I had never seen this sculpture and they keep it hidden away. And it's not like a prized thing that a lot of people know about, but they don't want to destroy it, obviously. And you can see it, but it's just that it looks beyond human uh, capability. Yeah. And that, and that's a lot of things, right? You look at some of the educa- uh, architecture, you look at some of the engineering from back then and it, it, seems a little bit too advanced for what we're told that the time period had yeah and that's just simple i mean you know i you know you could call up a um you could call up a um a contractor or you know a house builder somebody who builds mansions somebody who builds skyscrapers it doesn't matter and get them on the phone get them to think that you got you know um an endless budget and you say, okay, here's what I want. And they go, okay, what do you want? And you go, I want you to build, I got a thousand acres of land in Texas. And I want you to build a replica of the Greek Parthenon with all cement, all concrete, no wood. And they go, yeah, no, we can't do that. Why not? Uh, just, uh, n- can't do it sorry there's not enough there's not enough granite there's not enough marble uh it's too much concrete it would collapse under the weight we can't we don't know how to build roman concrete and you can look into that too the history of roman concrete they lost the recipe you know and that's why they say they can't build the buildings like that and they all have to be steel reinforced you can't build those huge concrete buildings it just you can't find nobody will do it and you say well why not and they just yeah just can't do it i don't know they try to re- the some japanese people back in the 1980s tried to do a replica of the great pyramids in egypt couldn't do it nope it, it never it never happens and we've and the, one of the funny stories i heard was right after the chicago expo um in 1895 they tried to build the Colosseum, which would have been considered like a medium sized structure at the fair and the building collapsed uh, during construction and they had to basically rebuild it. Um, Mm -hmm. So You're telling me that these masters who just pulled off one of the greatest feats in architecture and history, all of a sudden now can't pull off a minor task and that was the only project they were working on right I, during the world's fair supposedly they're building 200 buildings 
in a two-year period now they have one building and they have and, and they can't even put that up so yeah the narrative it's all over the place and it, it, it ha it's so frustrating because to get people to to even consider that the narrative might be off on certain things it's just you can't get them past that point and uh and that's that's the tough part because they can't see that they've been lied to and uh and that our history is a lot more i think it's a lot more interesting than the story that they've told us uh to be honest because i think the narrative that they told us is very uh primitive uh it's you know there's no real significance to humanity when in reality i think mm -hmm. humanity is very significant and very powerful and they've taken that away through their narrative and storytelling. Well, no, it's very temporal. Like, it's very fleeting. It's very uh, ethereal. Like, just mm -hmm. go along with this for a little while, and then we're going to change it up. And culture changes, and fashion changes. And it's all this disposable culture. And we don't... It's really sad, because what I've seen uh, in, my, in my life, especially the last decade or so, is they're really trying to destroy traditional values and, um, you know, just traditional storytelling. You know, I grew up, I grew up in a family where there was, a, you know, my parents were together and there was a man, there was a woman and the meals were cooked and we ate pretty, pretty well, you know, pretty, just a lot of meat and vegetables and that kind of diet and didn't have any video games and, I didn't have a computer. My friends did. And that's how I was able to you know, go online in the early nineties and stuff like that. But either way, what I'm trying to say is you take away the modern civilization that what they're trying to do is they're trying to create hyper individuals who are anything but individuals. In other words, they're trying to encourage just complete pleasure, complete uh, instant gratification, take away traditional hard work like no one wants to um admit what's going on is that they're trying to force people into smaller and smaller living conditions take away the backyard take away the cul-de-sac take away the block parties take away the fireflies at night they don't want kids to see what happens you know at the meadow at dusk you know yeah, and it's just point. concrete just concrete and steel and you know uh electronic this i mean the vr thing the metaverse you know just put on the headset and then you can be anywhere you want to be you know and then it's just it's a sick divorce from not only from nature but from god well and, and it's being it's being glamorized in movies it's being glamorized in television mm -hmm. shows so you know that's the direction they want it to go yeah. And, and by them glamorizing it, you get those people who think, you know, they get absorbed by it and want to be a part of it and think it's a great idea. And man, to some of us, that seems like hell, to be honest. Well, exactly. You know, the funny thing is, is I remember because um, my father, he was into a lot of different things and he would go to um, conventions, I guess you call them for motorcycles for cars for archery for um mountain man lifestyle like uh black powder guns and stuff like that and there would be these people right and they would be at the biker rallies and they would be at the gun shows and they would be 
at the uh, at the car shows, and they'd have little booths, and then they'd say, "Hey, watch out for inflation, watch out for the Federal Reserve, watch out." For, and they were like these militia type, you know. And there was some Christian type people, and they were saying, "Watch out for the number of the beast. The mark of the beast is on the barcodes." And um, they were talking about all this like kind of stuff that people talk about now on YouTube about like the Satanist, you know, plan to this and that. And, you know, you saw a lot of that stuff. A lot of those people got kicked off of YouTube. But what I'm trying to say is that back in the eighties and the nineties, there was people putting out memes, essentially they were putting out the information, but it was all like on Xerox and it was all like these pamphlets and you had to like sign up for a mailing list. And there was some PO box in Montana would send you like pamphlets, like on paper. And it was the kind of information that we look up now that we see on the internet, it's actually being regurgitated, which is fine because a lot of people have known this for a long time. Like just people talking about the media controlling people's minds, what's in our food. Uh, don't do this. Don't do that. It's going to poison you stay away from. And there was people trying to wake us up and you know what they called it? The mainstream media, you know what they call They called it satanic panic. You remember that? Oh Yeah. And this is something I've been talking about lately, you know, the last two podcasts I've done. And, you know, it's we were there, man. We we're there where we are right now trying to figure this stuff out. We were trying to figure it out back in the 1980s. And it just kind of got lumped in with evangelical Christians and um, media. They call them uh, media blamers. You know, the people who thought that there was, you know, messages on the Ozzy Osbourne records and stuff like that. Yeah, they man. went after like they went after bands like Twisted Sister. I mean, yeah. come on. That's what I'm saying about the Fall Guy thing. Yep. You know, but that's where we are right now, brother. Is oh, yeah. same, we're in the same situation as those people were in the 1980s, getting ridiculed, being called, you know, crazy and being associated with fringe groups that actually have nothing to do with what we're trying to, you know, figure out. You know, and it's it's just it's never going to end. It's just it's always going to be this us versus them mentality. Yep. And that's what we kind of have to break. We have to get rid of that and do everything we can to realize that the only way to get out of this is it has to be all of us. You know, it's, it's gotta be, it has to change because the, the, they win when we're divided. Right. Because if you think about the whole idea of a battery, a battery needs two poles and that's what they need us for. We're the battery and they need half of us on one side, half of us on the other and need us charged up fighting each other to keep their battery going. So if we can find a way to, to break that cycle, they have no power. Like you said, you said they were powerless and they really are when it boils down to it. But we have to find a way to come together and, and, show our true power and we're far away from that right now well yeah no i mean unfortunately like too many people are addicted to the uh feeling of being controlled a lot of people they like being controlled and there's actually some genetic research been done into that and it's saying okay so in a long 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 time ago there was people who stood up and they didn't want to live on their knees and they were killed but before they died, they bred. Then there was people who said, hey, I'll, I'll live on my knees. And they would get down and they would become slaves or they would become, you know, conformists and they bred. So what it comes down to is in the human 
in the human existence right now, currently, we have all kinds of different people. But we also have two major different, we have people who are related to people who stood up for what they believed in, they were killed. And then we have people who are related to slaves, who people who wanted to submit rather than die. And they passed on those weak genes to people. And that's why it's like, you ever wonder why some people are just like really hard to break down? Like they, they're just, they're really, they'll, they'll, they'll take a bullet for you. They'll give them a shirt off your back and like, but they won't take any crap from the government or from, you know, higher, they'll say, you know, I'm not going along with this. Program. I don't respect you enough to go along with this program. Yep. And then yep. we have the other types of people and they can't wait to fall in line. They can't wait to get down on their knees and start kissing somebody's boot. It's like they wait for show it. how compliant they are. Exactly. Yeah, they just they love they love <clears throat> to be. Like it makes them feel safe. It's like a security blanket. Well, that that's what it boils down to, right? I mean, it, it boils down to safety in the end, and they feel that their compliance equals safety. When in reality, that compliance is the opposite of that because you are exposing yourself to being dependent, and now you have given up any sort of safety and your safety is now dependent on someone else yeah but we're dooming we're dooming the next generation through that compliance we're just dooming the next generation and then we get into the fourth turning theory which is that hard times create strong men strong men create good times good times create weak men weak men create bad times and so on and so forth and it goes around and around in this cycle yep and where we are right now in the turnings is at 75 years so if the theory is true, then things are going to start getting better and we're going to have a, hopefully we're going to go back into the, the good times around 2028. That's, Let's hope so. I can't deal yeah. with any more of this, man. I'm done with the mass. I'm done with all of it. I'm done with all the nonsense. I just well, want I'm glad to get that, back um, to yeah, sanity, right? Exactly. And I'm glad that you brought that up because that's the only way that we're going to, to maintain what little bit of sanity that we have left is you have to not to not fight it so much like i know it's good to like get out there and be is don't even acknowledge it just pretend it ain't going on yeah you know go to the store without a mask somebody says hey where's your map you go what are you talking about you know they go well you know corona you just you gotta like start like like pretending to be a retard or something like oh well we're still doing that oh sorry i forgot i don't know or you gotta go the other way and just be like, look, man, how long are we going to do this for? How yep. long are we going to do this song? And, it, and that's the other thing is people don't necessarily need to go out and protest. They just need to start ignoring it. Yep. Just simply just, like, hey, that's not my world, man. You take like, your energy. Again, you take your energy out of it. It loses all its power. Yeah. And, and that's how you do it. You just pull out of it. I mean, I, I did that last year and it's, you know, I'm like, I'm done. I'm not playing this game anymore. Any place that makes me wear it, I'm not going to. Anytime I go into a place, I'm not going to wear it and I'm not going to bring it with me. And if they ask, I'm just going to, yeah, like you were saying, I'm either A, going to play dumb or I'm going to just drop a ton of facts on them and blow their mind. And it is what it is. And if they tell me I still need it, I'll walk out and I'll go find somewhere else. I mean, you gotta, you gotta be a little bit willing to be a little bit uncomfortable. You know, you that's the only way we get out of this. No, you see that a lot. You see that a lot with people when they start to wake up and then you start dropping something else and then they're like, whoa, 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 I can't. And then they go back to their little, 
their little comfort area, you know, like I'm on this um, conservative, you know, supposedly liberal or not liberal, but liberty loving group or something. And I, you know, was telling people about the Kyle thing about the, the kid from Kenosha. I said, he just said that he loves black lives matter, that he's not a racist, which is implying that someone who doesn't love black lives matter is a race. I said, the guy, you know, and then these people were like trying to, and I said, you have put so much into this kid because he's, he did something you wanted to do. Yep. Yep. And you're going to, you're going to put him up on this pedestal and I'm saying, Hey, look, man, here he had an opportunity. He went on the Tucker Carlson show. He had millions of people. And what does he do? He backsteps. He backsteps. And then they go, well, he's just trying to protect his family. They were going to, he said, you think that that's going to keep them away from him? You think they care that he said that? That's, that doesn't absolve him. These people are lunatics. I said, you got to admit that you got fooled, that the kid wasn't what you thought he was. And, you know, people were like saying, oh, he's so based. He's so, you know, red. It's like, no, he's just a kid. And he's, you know, he's just doing his thing. You know, he's, he's, yeah, he's that, that's just, I always question these stories where they, they get so much attention. Right. Mm-hmm. And why this one, and why I always, it's like that one with the girl and that her boyfriend killed her and she went missing. Like why yeah. that one? Why did we have to focus our attention? And so, yeah, I, I mean, I've pulled out of the media. I find out about the important stories through, you know, Instagram and things like that. And every now and then I'll go dig a little bit more, but you know, you can kind of get the gist of it just by understanding the memes and, uh, and see that there's a play to every story, right? The, the, these stories don't become mainstream news out of nowhere. There's a plan for them. There's an end goal for them. And, and there's a time limit to them. That's the other thing that people don't realize is these stories, they suck your energy for a short period of time. And then they're going to get you with the next one. And oh, you, ha- yeah. you have to pull out of that because that is the ultimate drain of and, and waste of time is putting any sort of energy into that because it's, it's going nowhere. You're just treading water in a, in a rushing river. And eventually it's just going to overwhelm you and you're going to, you're going to get sucked in. It's like, just stay out of it. Exactly. And that's the thing. And that's the thing that these, um, I I assume that you're uh, Gen X. Uh, Yeah. Basically the end. Yeah. So that's the thing with these people that were born in the forties and the fifties that are still alive that they don't understand. And they're like, Oh, you know, put, pick yourself up by the bootstraps hit the bricks. And And it's like, Hey man, look, I get it. And I respect your generation. I respect my elders, but I'm playing a completely different game, man. You guys are at the end of the road. You guys had your time. And it really irks me because these people got to live in one of the best times of this country. As far as like, they didn't like what was on the news. Turn the TV off. You know, now we're just, we're constantly inundated. We can't escape. I mean, we can technically, but it's like, it's becoming increasingly difficult but even I still remember that like around midnight, the little Indian guy came on, you know, the test pattern. Yep. And, yep. and it was like, no more indoctrination. Like was you got a break it's done. Yep. And then the, you, that, 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 that guy didn't come back on until you saw the, the guy coming on with the news at like six in the morning, you know, and then they would start the, the, the local news would do the, and they would start all over again. They would do the news and then they do the soap operas. 
and then they do the news again and then they would do the shows you know the honeymooners or you know whatever all in the family brady bunch whatever then they do the news one more time then johnny carson came on and then it was the indian and you got a break you know and you could go out and you didn't have to wear a seatbelt in your car i mean these people these boomers they have no idea how much more wicked the world has gotten they've like they've been in this bubble and they don't like they don't pay attention to what is going on no they're they're the they're the frog in the boiling pot of water right they've just sat in it and and it's slowly and gradually been cranked up and now it's boiling all around them and they don't know how the hell they got there everything was fine and then all of a sudden boom because they had their head in the sand the whole time and exactly but they got to but they got to experience like and then they think that like my generation the millennials and the gen z kids are like complaining and it's like yeah we're complaining because we didn't get the deal that you guys got yep yeah that's that's a totally different and and that's a a whole like you said it's we're playing two different games here it's there's so many more options in the game today there's so many more variables in the game today. It was it was pretty cut and dry back then. It, mm-hmm. You know, your your path was pretty much determined, and it was what it was. And now it's like you don't even have opportunities in a lot of spots. No, I mean they've really cranked up the the programming, the indoctrination. I mean, it's just you can't even compare it. I mean, and if I want to blame boomers, I could blame boomers because they were kind of the ones that let the barbarians in at the gate. Because yep. with the, the, the campuses, you know, and the, the hippy dippy thing and peace, love and understanding. And like, I don't have time for that because that's actually what let in the problem. Like exactly. they needed, and then who was behind that? And then we could get into, that could be a whole other podcast where we talk about Timothy Leary and how he was like portrayed as this like great guy. No. And then he was pushing the acid and then the acid is what led in. And then, and then this led to that. And, you know, Charlie Manson is a weapon created by the CIA to, you know, and it's all true. It's called Project Chaos. You know? Oh, yeah, that's a whole nother show in itself, you know? <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that's a deep, deep rabbit hole. That gets you into the whole music industry and everything. Yeah, and yeah, and, and that's, then- a, that's a whole almost another mini reset in itself if you go back to the 1960s the 50s it's an entertainment reset yeah and i'd love to come on and talk about that because i actually know a few things and we can we can talk about how music changed you know from the 40s and then in the mid 60s you know there was this maharishi thing and the beatles were you know oh i would love to i have i have another buddy that does uh he does a red pill cartel podcast and he's big into old music and i'd love to get the two of you guys on together and uh the three of us talk about that that would be really cool yeah because i'm a i'm a musician too i've you know i've been playing guitar for 20 years and i have a i have a recording studio i play keyboards i have a couple different uh, music uh projects anyways so the point is, is I know a lot about how the entertainment industry has, has shaped, you know, popular culture and, you know, project um, uh, Monarch, you know, with the, with the girls, you know, with Britney Spears and your Christina Aguilera's. And, oh yeah. I did you know, a the, big the brain splitting on that between that and Disney and all the programming. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I'd love to come back on maybe next time I'll, we'll talk about that and try to keep it kind of on that subject. Yeah, no, that was that. Hey, this has been fantastic. I could, 
like I said, I just looked up and I'm like, oh shoot, we should probably wrap. This. Yes. Uh, yeah. But it's been it's been great because it again the time flies. I, I feel like we bounced all over the map, but as you bounce all over, you're still tying back to the original issue at hand because, like you said, it all connects. It's like a giant spider web. And yep. uh, I, I I really respect your knowledge, man. I I think you are. Uh, we need to hear more of you because you have such a fascinating standpoint and a lot of great information. And and this was just a great conversation. I thank you for it. Yeah, no, yeah, I appreciate the conversation as well. I'd love to come back on. Like I said, we can we can talk about just hey, you know what? Like, let's just kind of set it right there. You know, we'll talk about we'll talk about entertainment industry. We'll try to keep it on that level. Yeah, we'll go over music, entertainment. That's perfect. Yeah, I, I, I'm fascinated by those. I've done a little bit of research myself, especially into the programming side of things. So yeah, let's mm-hmm. do it. We'll get, we'll get. Yeah, we'll talk about, started. we'll talk about how uh, Jim Morrison faked his death and became Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, all that fun stuff. Yeah. Hey, uh, you want to uh, tell the people where they can find your stuff? Yeah, obviously on YouTube at Old Scary World. Instagram is mudflood memes or old scary world is the same account. It'll come up if you put either one in there. And when you go to the Instagram, there's a link in the bio that'll take you to the Patreon to oldscaryworld.com where you can buy merch, t-shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, things like that. If you want to support my research and the channel. And then also I'm on TikTok. And if you want to find the music that's in the YouTube videos without the talking over it, just the music that's used. You can find me on Bandcamp at oldscaryworld.bandcamp.com, or you can just go to Bandcamp and search Old Scary World. And then, um, oh, the Telegram chat. I have, a tele- I have a private Telegram chat where I'm allowed to share things I can't share on Instagram. And you can find the link to that on the Instagram. There's one of those little multi-link things there on my Instagram profile. And I think that's about it. Excellent. Yeah, that's it. And I, I will put all of those links in the show notes. So uh, anybody that's awesome. looking Thanks. for your work could be able to find yeah. it. And uh, again, I thank you. This has been a great conversation and we will definitely have to get something set up here for the near future to, uh, to go through some entertainment stuff. I'd love to, I'd love to sit down with you again. That sounds good, brother. Excellent, man. Well, you have a great night. Thank you very much. Cruelty and injustice, intolerance and oppression. And where once you had the freedom to object, to think and speak as you saw fit, you now have sensors and systems of surveillance coercing your conformity and subjecting your submission. We need cameras. How did this happen? Who's to blame? Well, certainly there are those who are more responsible than others. They will be held accountable. But again, truth be told, if you're looking for the guilty, you need only look into a mirror. I know why you did it. I know you were afraid. Who wouldn't be? War, terror, disease. There were a myriad of problems which conspired to corrupt your reason and rob you of your common sense. Fear got the best of you, and in your panic you turned to the now High Chancellor, Adam Sutler. He promised you order, he promised you peace, and all he demanded in return was your silent, obedient consent.